All right, Dan Bones, huddle up. We are getting the shit kicked out of us out there. They're fucking <clears throat> cheating. They are cheating. They're just good at the game, dude. They're fucking pros at bocce. Didn't that motherfucker get psychic powers or some shit? I told you. They're from the East Coast. They play this in school. This is like a oh, fuck, dude. in school thing. Why did we bet $50,000 on this bocce game? I bet your car, Karan. Yeah, I thought we were going to win. We've been playing all week, dude. Your car's worth $50,000? No. no fucking Brewsters. It's the car plus $49,000. Okay. Did you get $49,000? That upsets oh. me less, actually. I thought we were going to win. I thought it was the a cocaine. sure thing. God damn it. That's bullshit. Like, every fucking... Like, like Brantley's pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. He's got an eye. He's, he the, takes those glasses off. Right. He's straight on. Mm-hmm. But every time he tosses, you notice he pulls his like pants up. Right? Okay. Maybe that's like I problem. think I think that's like his tell. Like, is he doing something? So watch his pockets. I don't know if he's what he's doing. You think he's got another ball in there? But Nick is throwing it straight up in the fucking air, closing his eyes, and his nose starts to bleed, and he's scoring a fucking point. Yeah. He's getting to the center ball every time. Is that that's how bocce time. works, right? He was on his fucking cell phone one time, and he just he wasn't even paying attention. Yeah, he just chucked it out there. Wild. By, right, by the way, they're gonna think something's up. Brantley, you weren't supposed to be in this huddle. Like this was a our team oh, huddle. So sorry, sorry, was, sorry, sorry, sorry. All right, <clears throat> we only said good things. <sighs> okay, whose toss is it? I got this. Well, hold, hold on, yeah. Dan. Let me. Too late. Let me. Oh, too late. It. Fucking it bounced off an Uncle Buck. <sighs> okay, I'll mark another zero down for our side. Jesus Christ! God damn it! Okay, let's let it. It's the cheater's turn. All right, all you, hey. Nick. You got this, man. You got it. All right. Don't let those old Italian guys sitting in lawn chairs along the new release wall let, uh, let them down. You gotta show them how it's done. All right? They're not here for the. Those guys aren't here for bocce. They're perverts that rent from the back room. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was like a new, you know, uh, marketing ploy to get people in the store. This tournament. Those aren't marinara stains from like meatball subs on their shirts. Those are. They were fist fighting over new releases. Oh. There okay. was a Jenna Jameson re-release, so. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that'll do it. Every forgot, time. Forgot to bring it back. <laughs> Guys, the ball is floating above Nick's head right now. Mm-hmm. Are we it's just not, not going to acknowledge that? It's just. This is weird. They're your bocce balls. I don't know. It sounds like a problem on your guys' end. I don't get it. This is what it looks like when you get really good at bocce, and I've been playing my whole life. Mm-hmm. Starting to get fucking mad, dude. Nick is so good at throwing games. You guys don't even know. Like cornhole, bowling, bocce ball, darts. Like this guy kills Horseshoes, it every time. Grenades. Horseshoes, grenades. Yes, absolutely. I remember those grenade throwing competitions we used to have, Nick. Oh, man. So fun. Yeah. Sad sometimes. Sometimes. Mostly my throws. You were really good. Thank you. Cron, it's your turn. All right. Did anybody check the fucking weather forecast? Here, light this uh, ball of rags soaked in ether on fire. That's my bocce ball. 
You're hardcore, dude. All right, here we go. I believe in you. Oh. Oh, shit. It rolled into a larger pile of rags. <laughs> All right. All right, it's going up. Uh, Nick's All ears right, are bleeding now. So I, I'm pretty sure he's not only enforcing his... Hey, Nick, can mm-hmm. I see you in the back for a second? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I need to, I need help lifting another lawn chair out there. We got a fucking fat Italian coming up. All right. Uh, a second. Brantley, it's all yours for a while. All right. I got to hold down the fort, man. All right, here we go. And there. Uh, oh. Damn it, it hit the center ball again. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't think it's like 50 points, dude. I'm as surprised as you guys. Nick isn't even here, and I hit God the center ball. Damn. I don't know how that happened. Isn't it like golf lowest wins? No, Bocce's not like that at all, dude. Oh fuck! Hey, uh, did you hear his voice? Bones' voice. He did sound a little like he was coming down with something, like a cold, like a, like a sore throat or something. Yeah. I don't know, dude. He's been looking pretty big. I'm not oh, going yeah. back there. I mean, it looks like he's been working out. No, he's been... He's stuffing. Oh. He's on steroids. Like, he's I would n- very pro-steroids. I'd never have guessed Bones as a pro-steroid stuffing guy. Oh! oh shit! What the <laughs> fuck was that? It's not sounding good. It's either... It's, uh, I told you. It's either one of the Italians in the back room <laughs> zipped up too quick again. Laundry drain, Brantley, not it. Go, Cron. Shit. I don't like this <clears throat> Good news, guys. Uh, fucking Nick can't play anymore because he's missing a, <clears throat> his fucking arm. Oh, shit. What? What happened? Why are, are you holding your hands? It? Why are you Jesus holding Jesus. This is oh, my that's another hand. This is my oh. ball from now on. I drew a nipple on it. This is Bone's ball. Well, that's, oh, that's, that's not going to roll, dude. That's... Brantley, by the way, Nick is uh, bleeding out. You need to, uh, you might want to him. Those are our friends, okay. dude. I'll do my best. Well, you know what they're the not? Is they're not our competition in the next round because they are disqualified because Nick can't play anymore. That makes sense. That makes All right, we'll call this one a draw. The money remains where it is. We'll just say that. Oh, give him the money for Nick. Shut the fuck up, Dan. <laughs> Hang in there, Nick. I, I got you, man. Uh, uh, we'll get you to a hospital, I promise. Apparently, this game is not over. He did not take my dominant arm. Fuck. Oh, damn it, Fuck up. I knew it. Still it. Can't be on your guys' you team. Still got it. We're fine if we can stop the bleeding. All right. Let's look for maybe a bandage or like an ice pack for Nick. While we're doing that, I'll put a movie into the VCR. Pick one up off the pile over here. Uh, Here we go. From 1999, it's Resurrection. This week on 5 Day Rentals.
All right, welcome back everybody to the Five Day Rentals Podcast. This is the video store podcast where each week we take turns picking a flick that we think meets a fun, non-genre specific category. This round's category is, oh, it's the best time of the year. There's fucking ghosts howling and chains rattling. It's spooky season, everybody. I will be your host this week. It's Cron Howard. I'm joined by just the best two co-hosts in the game. They are risen. They are coming. It's Bones and Laundry Dan. How you boys doing? What's up? Howdy. Uh, guys, this is quite a film. When was the first time you saw Seven? <laughs> Uh, 1997, I think, maybe. Did you see it in a theater? You're too young. Well, it came out, in, what, it came out in 95. Did it? Oh, right. okay. Yeah. Brantley, help me out here. Yeah, seven. you're right, 95. Didn't you pick seven in the 90s draft, by the way, Dan? Did I? What? Yeah, I think that was your first round pick. I think it was 95. <laughs> I think I saw it in 96 because this kid, Jared, that lived on my block... One Saturday, we were out riding bikes, and he was like, I watched my parents watch a really fucked up movie yesterday. And I was like, he, what? Did he, like, sit facing away from the TV <laughs> to watch his parents' I reaction? Think, well, I, I don't know what the scenario was, but he he explained to me the device used on Lust, and I was like, "There's no, that's not in a movie. That doesn't exist. <laughs> and then cut to, like, three months later, I'm renting it, and watching it as a 10 year old highly inappropriate but uh this yeah, movie i watched this week for the first time so <laughs> i got to savor i got to save that one i rented this movie in 1999 in bamberg germany and i took it home and watched it returned it went back so my parents could watch it cuz they wanted to watch it so I rented it twice in 1999. Were they upset that you watched it first? No, I grabbed a few, I think, from the shop at, and I watched that one, and I was like, yeah, I'll go return it, get another one. And they were like, oh, we wanted to watch that one. And I was like, well, I'll go grab it again. So rented it twice. Shop like at a two-day rental? Shop at for anybody who didn't grow up in the military would be like a little uh, a gas, station. A gas station convenience store on the base. They're usually referred to as shop ets, and oftentimes they would have like a barber shop or a video store attached to it. Liquor, frozen dinners, you know, your normal. Yeah. Cron, it's a little crowded in here today, dude. What the hell? Yeah, that's correct. It's not just the five day rentals, uh, dirty dudes this week. We are joined by our very good friends from the Horror Drafts podcast, Nick and Brantley. How the hell are you? Great Doing to be wonderful. here. Thanks for having us, as always. Yeah, it's always nice to get to come visit the 5DR boys. I guess a similar question. I mean, had you guys seen Resurrection before preparing for this podcast? I don't want to brag, but I've seen this movie a lot. I don't and, know. This must have been my fifth or sixth time seeing it. Yeah, I've seen it quite a bit. And you actually, you do list this as your religion, right? It's just this resurrection. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, Nick is a prophet of the faith of resurrection, the film mm-hmm. from 1999. This is my first time watching it, so I'm very happy that, uh, uh, well, I guess you ended up choosing, or you guys ended up choosing this between our two choices. You guys kind of came down on this one, so that was kind of fun because it gave me a chance to watch it for the first time. To answer your question about Seven, though, I watched that on video probably 96 or 97 when I'm like, somewhere in the like 11 ish range my parents were out of town we had a cool babysitter who drove a camaro or sorry a corvette uh and she rented it with some other like horror movie i think and so i watched this for the first time in like her apartment as like an 11 year old sleeping over when my parents were out of town uh seeing seven for the first time and just like like what the fuck is going on with this movie? Uh, pretty wild experience looking back on it. Written horror movies, driving a Corvette. You still, you still in touch with this lady? <laughs> no, <laughs> but she sounds she pretty was a cool. cool. Babysitter, yeah, yeah, she was yeah awesome. dude. <laughs> I feel like my babysitters never were. I was, I was never getting R-rated content. I remember watching like Apollo thirteen and shit. It was like all dogs go to heaven or something. Oh. It yeah. wasn't like that childish, but it was. I think there was like a solid PG thirteen cap at some yeah. point. You know? Yeah, yeah. I was twenty three. It was so weird. <laughs> Fire in the sky <laughs> was. I was allowed to just watch that. I'm pretty sure she was making out with the dude <laughs> in the living room. So <laughs> I think it was Fuck. Die Hard for me. The whole trilogy. Nice. Three consecutive. Oh, yeah. I think after the first one, I was like, "Mom, Dad, get the fuck out of here. Go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I got to see what happens in, with a vengeance. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a pack of smokes when you come back. <laughs> He's teamed up with Sam Jackson this time. I got to see how it plays out. <laughs> McTiernan's back, you idiots. Leave. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. At what age, like, do you... Now, you guys are kind of, you're in the industry. That's what we're going to say. One of you is a, yeah, you're, you're both Nick, in the Nick industry. And we'll talk sure. about that. I wouldn't say I am. Um, you made a documentary, Brantley. <laughs> yeah, it's mean, fucking, it's, it's a like documentary showing this in the industry. Come on. <laughs> yeah. You're a documentarian, so. dude. You sure. are a filmmaker. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I'll take it, but I, I don't feel like I'm in the industry. That's for sure. Uh, what I was going to ask was like, my mom is the one who kind of got me into movies, but I definitely surpassed her in terms of like knowledge and appreciation and technical, whatever at like 12 or 13. Did you guys mm-hmm. have that same arc where your parents just sort of like, okay, yeah, we liked blah, 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 but shut the fuck up about <laughs> cinematography yeah yeah i mean my my mom was more uh lenient than my dad for sure and certainly had more of an interest in like film and like horror or like offbeat stuff like she was a big rocky horror picture show fan um so i remember going to like you know like the the live well not live but like the screenings you do where you like yell at the screen and you you know throw stuff and everything um like i remember going to those with my mom um and i remember she would come like she'd come wake me up if there was something cool on tv um that like i would have been interested in like um gymnastics or acrobatics or something like that um uh, when i was younger i was a um competitive gymnast um and so 
Um, Did you know that, Nick? Just keep adding no, to this the is, list this here. Is brand new information. <laughs> okay, this well. is before I got really into football and put on a lot of weight. But um, let's stow yeah, that for a future cold open. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, like, yeah, if there would be like I don't know, like world's competition or something on, but it was after my bedtime. My mom would sometimes wake me up to let me see it and stuff. So she would be like more lenient, but she wasn't as like as into it in terms of like the technical aspects and things like that for sure. And then, I mean, when I would, when I turned 12, they were like, okay, this guy's just like, he's just such a little fucking film nerd. His birthday present when he turns 12 is we're going to put a note on the video store account that he can rent R rated movies and whatever he wants basically so that he can just like do it himself. And we don't have to listen to him anymore. (laughs) Probably something like that. (laughs) What about you, Nick? I'm trying to, I think it was mostly my dad. My dad would, every Friday, would, on his way back from work, stop at the video store and rent, like, four movies. They always had, like, it was, like, I think it was the precursor to Movie Gallery. Movie Gallery eventually bought out the space, but before that, it was, like, if you buy, you know, if you rent four movies, you get a fifth one free or whatever, and we would watch all of them every weekend. Um, and, and that, yeah, that's why I'm, I think, into movies, but... Yeah, I don't know that he was. He 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 understands movies. He appreciates movies. Um, but he never really talked movies from like a, a filmmaker's perspective. I think he he could have that conversation, but I don't think that's what the kind of thing he was interested in. So when I started like wanting to make movies, that's probably I was like thirteen or fourteen, and that's when I kind of like branched off into my own thing. And all the movies I wanted to see and all the movies I wanted to make at that point were horror movies. So he was not interested. Oh, yeah. There was no conversation to be had. Yeah, yeah. I remember riding home from the theater in the back seat, like cramped in a little extended bench pickup. You know, and my mom would say, "Like, all right, what did you think?" And that would last the twenty minutes getting home. (laughs) I could just go, "Bubble was good. This was good. I think I would have changed this. I didn't understand this. This, you know." And my dad just drove, listened to Phil Collins tapes, and I just <laughs> rattle off some nonsense. <laughs> I think That's I surpassed. Fun. They would ask me, like, well, what's good? I'd be like, all right, what's that, that, and that? They'd be like, well, one was good. Two of the others were, we didn't finish. We didn't get it. I feel like if you can get one out of three to your parents, that's a, that's a success, right? Yeah. Yeah, That's, I think so. I think like we covered old Henry and I'm like, my dad would fucking love this movie. Mm-hmm. You you get to a point where you know like, all right, yeah, they'd watch the shit out of that. Yeah. What do you think of the episode? Of old Henry? Yeah. Um, a quote from my mom, we started an episode of your podcast. I think we heard the word fuck about nine times, so we turned it off. <laughs> As I'm sure she was cussing about some idiot at the fast food restaurant that she went to cron has such a dirty mouth man yeah i was, I I was gonna say eight of them were dan so <laughs> and the other one was bones because i'm a little angel on this podcast <laughs> fucking bullshit you're the uh, fucking jizz guy i mean if that's the reputation i got out there on the streets <laughs> so be it uh, to end this conversation, I think I could count on a single hand all the times my parents went to the theater when I was growing up. They did not 
<laughs> give two shits about movies. So, but they would buy me like they would just go to the store and be like, pick out a movie. So I would buy them, and then I would just watch them over and over and over. <laughs> so, I guess they at least supported it. Oh, what they nice. go? What they go see? Like Passion of the Christ. They saw Passion of the Christ. We all went and saw Titanic when it came out. Okay, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I would really struggle beyond this point. We probably saw like The Lion King when I was like younger. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that is that's most of it right there. The three <laughs> movies I named. <laughs> So not resurrection, even though it's religious. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe if they had known about it, I feel like this. this if this would have got a primo, you know, TV spot, they might have gone to check out Resurrection. Resurrection never played theatrically in the U.S. Actually, so not. they would not have taken you. I'm sorry to say. I read and that it like was huge in Spain, though. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Apparently, it did okay overseas, but for whatever reason, they fucked up the distribution here. Probably because Seven was so popular, and this was only like a... Well, I guess it was four years later. For some reason, I thought Seven was 97 as well, so it was a while. Yeah, it Thank was, a, you, it was Nick. a while. Yeah. I did think it was 97. Yeah, 95 seems early. I'm surprised. Sorry, guys. I just dropped in the chat there uh, a photo of me and my sort of flashy attire from my younger days when I would be doing dance performances and, and gymnastics. So I thought you guys would get a kick out of that uh, since we just nice. talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> I've never and seen and this. this one specifically is I was digitizing my wife's family's um, home videos and we realized that we were on stage getting awards at the same time at some performance before we either of us knew each other and obviously long before we dated. So it was just kind oh, of funny. This would have been... I think 93 or 94 just after Aladdin because that's why I'm all in the snazzy Aladdin uh, outfit uh, there. Sorry. Oh, you can cut all this out of the podcast. I just I thought you guys would get a kick out of like seeing what I would have looked like at that time. No, this stays and if this somebody cool. asks about it, you're forced now to post it. This will be, okay, the, cover, go for it. Go this for will be it. the cover of the episode when it comes <laughs> out. <laughs> I'm sorry it's like not the best quality. It's obviously from a VHS tape still or whatever, but I'm sure at my house my mom has more photos of me uh doing gymnastics and stuff. Yeah, send, like send them young... over. We'll post them all on the <laughs> Instagram. Looking like a young Freddie Mercury. God damn you look good. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's oh, you're too kind, thank you. <laughs> all right, guys, we are here discuss from 1999 directed by Russell Mulcahy Resurrection uh I guess since we haven't done it the last I don't know 10 episodes maybe we should lock in rate my letterbox scores here up top get it out of the way I'm surprised you remember uh Brantley and Nick everyone will guess my rate my letterbox score and then at the end of the episode we will reveal what it is dan you want to start us off uh cron howard at the time of our review for resurrection from 1999 the letterbox user rating is sitting at a 2.9 
I am going to give you, I'm going to go three. I'm going to go three. Bones. Going 3.5. Oh. Brantley? Uh, I'm with Dan on this one. I'm going to say three. I think it's just bonkers and silly enough that you're on board and enjoying it. And Nick? I'm also doing three. All right, guys. So listen through the episode and we will see who's right and who's wrong. This is Resurrection. Uh, Russell Mulcahy did Highlander. I think Highlander 2 as well, Mm -hmm. right? Yep, yep. Um, What's the big boar movie that he made? Razorback. Razorback. Yeah. Yeah. That was like one of his first. I think it was his first. He did music videos and then did Razorback, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I thought I I saw he had one other film before that, like in the late 70s. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. Did he do anything after this? He did Resident Evil 3. Yeah. Oh, shit. That's so, right. So, yeah, he'll he, be back on the show. Yeah, he's he also, he's doing the, the, the Teen Wolf movie that they're making that's supposed to come out this year, or did come out this year. Oh, I didn't know I that. I thought he did an yeah. MTV one. Uh, he might have. Is it the oh. MTV Teen Wolf movie? I think it was the movie they made after the series, I think. Okay, I'm sorry. He made a documentary know. in 1979. So his first narrative feature was Razorback. Razorback. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Again, I'm emailing the pod. Was that drafted on the animal? Yes. Attack? I think yeah. I picked it. Yeah. 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 Nick, Nick took Razorback. Mm-hmm. Which is a good movie. Like, I think it's probably his. I would say it's his best looking movie out of everything I've seen. I would 100% agree with that. Yeah, I was kind of shocked at how the much I liked that movie. Seen fucking Highlander? What's wrong with you people? Yeah, that's my thought too. I mean, Highlander doesn't sound great, but I thought it looks pretty good. I actually have not seen Highlander. Oh, okay. Ever. I should. And and I mean, you know, The Shadow, the Alec Baldwin uh, movie, it's not a good comic book movie, but I think it's got a nice look to it as well. There may or may not have been uh, some Bones banked movies listed off just now. Lemon. <laughs> All right, guys, this is Resurrection. Uh, we open up on our main detective. His name is John Prudhomme? Prudhomme? I don't know. Uh, he's doing some classic detective shit at the house. He's already dressed. His wife's kind of like, let me make you some breakfast. Classic, no, I don't even have time to fucking, <laughs> not even a piece of toast. Well, that's how you know it's a fucking fantasy right off the bat. Your wife offering to make you fucking breakfast. <laughs> she doesn't do shit. While she just she's lays in asleep. the bed this whole movie. Well, he won't talk to her, Dan. Stop. <laughs> he should have took the breakfast. I would have. Dead bodies can wait, dude. They're not yeah. going anywhere. Where are they going? Yeah. 100%. That's a good point. Cut over to John. He's arriving at a crime scene. Uh, a couple guys are already there. Get a lot of back and forth of... Uh, th- these guys are like, why'd they call you in? And John's like, because I'm the fucking best. Uh, his... What's it's... that? I was going to say, it's amped dete- stereotypical detective talk from the get-go, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, you... 
the buddy with a joke, the stereotypical fucking CSI guys, like they throw everything at you to set the tone. That's fucking Rick Fox. A fucking multiple time NBA champion with Kobe Bryant from the Lakers. Oh, the big guy that like, if he's standing up, everyone else comes up to his collarbone yeah. if they're lucky. Because <laughs> I was like, that looks like Rick Fox. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that eh, couldn't be. And then I looked on IMDb. I'm like, holy shit. That is Rick Fox. And he's Canadian? Never knew that either. And he's not half bad. He's yeah, really, he's really he's, not. Yeah. yeah, he's pretty he's good actor. standing and delivering well, yeah. The performances in this movie are not bad, I have to say. And I like uh, the wife is actually I thought was really good and his partner. Uh yeah, Leland Oster. Pretty impressive. seven connections. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he does not have an easy role. No. That is true. I mean, I wouldn't have been on the other end. I'd rather been him. Right? Rather been who? The partner? Or you'd rather yeah. be John? You'd rather be Hollinsworth, the guy? Who... No, <laughs> I'm talking about Seven, guys. I'm talking about Seven, not this movie. Oh. Oh. Well. No. That, no. I don't know no. if I would want to Fuck be him no. from Seven, no. I'd rather lose my leg than have yeah. to deal with the trauma of like having killed someone with a knife strap on. Guess Dan's just in the different shit than you. <laughs> God damn it, dude. <laughs> PG-13 stuff. (laughs) All right. uh, Prudholm and uh, Detective Hollinsworth, who is his partner, they enter another room. It's the crime scene. They're told this guy's a little ripe. He's been here for four days. Uh, They see a guy tied up to a chair. His whole, just his whole entire arm is gone. This dead guy is named Peter, I think, Belcourt or something. Um... He recently inherited the family business, but now he's dead. Killer didn't take anything besides the arm. Corpse still had $112 in his wallet. The detectives noticed some strange burn marks on him. Uh, Prudhomme is kind of, you know, let's get some light in here. Another cop opens the curtains and written in blood on the window is, he's coming. Oh. been written on a window here if you know what i mean (laughs) pretty gory for uh this movie i thought throughout yeah i mean i think they were trying to cash in on the kind of whole seven thing like a detective story with a lot of disturbing imagery mixed into Mm -hmm. it yeah now do we think that they set out to just rip off seven or do we think maybe they just fell into that? Dan, I have or no maybe idea this what was you're a talking studio. about. I see no connections between this movie and Seven. I, you guys keep talking about Seven. I don't get it. I don't even see what how these are connected in any way. I didn't think of it until like the very end. And mm. I was like, okay, now yeah. I get it. Yep. We no, didn't I mention... Mean- the rain when it was clearly sunlight outside before yeah. they walked into this place. 
Nick might know more just be, but uh just having seen it so many times and maybe he's read more on it or something but I mean it's kind of impossible to watch this movie without just being smacked in the face with all the like similarities to 7. I, I I've only Nick, seen you... 7 once. Uh mm. so I have I and I have no memory of 7 whatsoever. So I'm actually the the worst person to ask. Um oh. I've read I yeah, I've I you can't find a review on Letterbox that doesn't mention seven. It's like tough. you literally can't. I went through like probably three or four dozen reviews the other day. Um, seven is mentioned in every single one. Wow. Um, I think but you yeah, needed like, a babysitter who would have brought you in her Corvette to pick up seven maybe. from the video store. Maybe you'd have remembered it more. I don't know. It's been a long time. I remember the rain mm-hmm. and I remember the last scene and that's about it. Um, yeah. But like apart from i'm genuinely asking this now because i don't remember seven that well but apart from the fact that it's you know two cops which is true of most detective stories i would argue and Mm -hmm. it raining in a gritty city all the time and the religious aspect um Mm -hmm. is there anything i mean i guess that's pretty much (laughs) all of the things (laughs) but but i mean like you know like if this was not a story about a serial killer with like a religious bend would it if he was just a normal serial killer would it be anything like seven beyond the rain i mean i think the neo-noir mixed with like you know very gory kind of graphic imagery i'd say that's like one of the main takeaways from seven there's some dialogue is there (laughs) i think so Brantley, would you have rather the babysitter showed you Resurrection or Seven? I mean, not to tip my hand for later in the episode, but I I do think Seven is a stronger film overall, so (laughs) I am happy to have been shown Seven and not Resurrection. Although Resurrection wouldn't have been out, because this was 96-97, so I don't know if I would have needed a babysitter. And, you know, this probably came to home video in 2000 in the U.S., Nick, if it didn't play theatrically in 99 here. So, it. I think the video was straight in 99. But yeah. Straight to oh, this video. video? Okay. Yeah. I mean, so I was like 14 in 99. I don't think I would have. I don't think I would have had a babysitter that much at that point. Maybe. I don't know. I think my brother would have been 16. I think he would have been old enough to be left alone with babysitting us if my, if my parents were out of town or something. But either way, I mean, I'm definitely happy I saw seven. <laughs> Should have waited until 2000 and just done them as a double feature one night. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I feel like your seven, you know, the fact that you're leaning that way is just connected to this uh, nostalgia for for this past memory. I feel like if Resurrection had been there, you would, you know, be telling us how shitty seven is right now. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, in an alternate world where where Resurrection came out in 95 and 7 came out in 99, mm. which one would we be remembering the most fondly? Which one would have fallen into the dustbin of history? I ask you. Mm. Good point. Mm-hmm. Karan, do you want us to give your Rate My Letterbox for 7 as well tonight? No, I haven't seen 7 in so long. I I don't think I could fairly... I mean, right now, I you know I'm kind of putting Resurrection up there because... <laughs> Just a recency bias. That's a good clue. I watched it three weeks ago because Blank Check just started their Fincher run. Mm-hmm. 
and I didn't feel like I needed to rewatch Alien 3. I had watched that within the last year. I got about 30 minutes into the seven episode, and I was like, fuck, I just got to watch this again. I love this movie. I'm going to watch it again. Somebody had it on their Plex. I mean, the thing holds up. It's five stars. It, it's it, a five star. It, it might be my right. favorite Fincher. Um, Ooh, interesting. <laughs> seven to me is one of those. It, I know, I know. Zodiac over your shoulder. I see it, but. <laughs> Seven to me is one of those movies that's so annoying because it's on streaming frequently enough mm-hmm. that I'm like, oh, I'll watch that later. And then by the time I want to watch Seven, it's not streaming anywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it doesn't help either that it's like it's coming in that period for Fincher where it's like the dude bro film like that and like Fight Club. You know, you sort of get a reputation of some of their fans of being like, you know, kind of broy film dudes. Um, so that can, I think, turn people off. But I think the film on its own is it's pretty damn good. I got to rewatch it on its own, though. I watched it with a commentary when I brought on the notes for the guys, but I didn't actually like sit down and watch watch the film. Hell yeah! All right, guys, we cut over to the police station. Uh, Prud Holmes. It looks like he's clipping coupons at his desk. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Uh, his chief calls him in. He's kind of he's kind of like, everyone on the force hates you except for Hollinsworth. Uh, everyone kind of starts talking back and forth. Eventually, Prudholm says, um, this is just step one. The message on the window implies that there's going to be a further event that will happen. Home and Hollinsworth go to grab a bite to eat at a uh, New Orleans-themed restaurant in the middle of Chicago. They're no, eating. Cron, uh, I'm sorry. Can you tell us why Home would want to go and eat there at this New Orleans-themed restaurant? He's a, he, he's a New Orleans man. He got transferred up at some point, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we haven't mentioned the the accent that Christopher Lambert has for uh, for Pudhome. He's I mean, uh, he's not doing new orleans or cajun it's some kind of weird mix of because yeah. i think his background is french right uh christopher lambert I, Belgian. Yeah. and i think yeah. he kind of has an accent right so i think they're just like finding a reason in the story why he would have that right mm-hmm. which yeah. i always appreciate yeah because yep. you know when when they do it when an arnold movie it's <laughs> it's always it's not that i ever worry about it but like kindergarten cop when he says like i was born in austria cool thank you yeah like I, I'm, I'm fine with that like total recall it's so far in the future you don't give a shit but <laughs> just just to do something to like excuse it and it thankfully they do it so early on it's like all right cool yeah i guess there were still times where i was just like what the hell is he saying like it's so <laughs> oh i'm with you yeah yeah, uh, yeah. during the interrogation uh later in the movie i backed it up three times because i thought he said suck your mouth like he's tr- he's supposed to be saying shut your mouth, shut your it, mouth. Yeah. It, it's just suck your mouth yeah like, anytime he gets really upset and like speaks faster like because he's angry it, it it does become hard to understand yeah. him but i think he's good i think he's doing real work this is a fucking weird story and arc to play mm-hmm. and i think he's doing Good shit, man. And Highlander, he works because he's so fucking weird. But in this, he's doing a lot, man. 
but he yeah. he clearly i mean this is like his passion project i mean he co-wrote it this was his story that he came up with like wow um so yeah i mean i think he he must be having a good time mm-hmm. i think they met in like a hotel and they were pitching him. a different movie yeah yeah three of them and they couldn't and when stop they left, talking about it and they're like <laughs> Man, let's just do this one that's exactly how it happened apparently yeah okay i then that explains all of the random ass elements then because it reads like a passion project like let me play all of these different things Mm -hmm. you know um, oh yeah you know i I think that's where a lot of that came from probably Mm -hmm. i can't imagine if he hadn't worked with russell before um and he hadn't been the one to write this story even if he had even if Highlander did exist, I can't imagine that had he not written the story that he would have been cast in this part. But I, I don't know. I could be wrong. That's exactly what I was thinking, too. Like, how badly did Mulcahy, like, want to cast someone else? But it was, <laughs> he had to. it's like the dude brought you the story. Like, you kind of <laughs> got to give him some leeway to be like, I'm playing the main guy. Okay. Like, mm-hmm. like if you want the story that bad, I'm playing the lead detective. <laughs> And I think I he's good. Know. I think he is actually good in it. I think he, I agree with Bones. It's it's uh, he turns in a pretty decent performance given how goofy the whole thing is. But he just doesn't. Yeah, in like in a vacuum, it should be any other actor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you I know, know, Mulcahy was like, "Fuck! I wish I could get like my version of Brad Pitt for this." Role instead right. of being stuck with Limp Bear. <laughs> no, he got gold with Highlander and Highlander Two. It's like I know he had to stick again. with this guy. Yeah, he had to stick with. Well, I was wondering, like, is that the only director they could get for the movie? Like, was Limp Bear like, I'm a package deal. You know, I wrote it. I'm going to star in it, and they like just couldn't find anyone else to direct. So he's just like, uh, you know. Russ, buddy, can you do me a favor, <laughs> you know, and come on and direct this? Because, you know, I imagine, like, if they could have got bigger stars, this would have been, like, you know, a bigger film and not, like, a straight-to-video here in the States. The impression I got from watching the Blu-ray special features um, and the interviews with, um, why can't I think of his name? I have it right in front of me. Um, Robert Joy, who plays, you know, the bad guy, and uh, uh-huh. and Russell Mulcahy. Um was that it was like three of them, Brad Merman, I guess, I think that's his name, Christopher Lambert and Russell, and they met in a bar, and they Brad was going to pitch them some other movie. And then I guess at some point Chris was like, shut up, I have an idea. And then they couldn't <laughs> stop talking about it. So I think the three of them like came up with this thing together. And I think, given like they had Robert Joy, and he was well-known, um, Christopher Lambert, I think, was well known enough. Um, I mean, this wasn't that long after Mortal Kombat, so I think everyone had his name in their mind. Um, mm. And, uh, but no, but seriously, I think apparently it was a surprise to everyone involved, including the producers, um, that distribution did not happen in America. It was not designed as a made-for-TV or straight-to-video movie. The goal, 100%, was to get it released theatrically, and it did get released theatrically elsewhere. And I guess everyone, including Robert Joy, was like extremely disappointed that it went straight to video here. Um, Interesting. And and apparently believed to this day that had it gone theatrical, we we'd all be talking about it a lot more. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's my Oscar, baby. Yeah. 
I do think it's kind of a bummer. Like, I don't think the movie is excellent by any means, but I've seen worse movies in theaters than Resurrection. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Absolutely. Well, and there's lots of great character actors. And I mean, you're talking about Joy. We're talking about Leland Oster. You know, we talk Brooke Fox is in it. But there's just like, um, Cronenberg. I don't know the guys. Yeah, Cronenberg. He's, oh, yeah, Cronenberg. he's amazing in it. He's great. Yeah. And, uh, and this is like that time period where he's doing all these all these little cameos yes jason uh, x yeah yeah uh but like who is the the coroner coroner that they had too because that was i don't know his oh, name yeah. but I, was I, like, recognize, oh, I recognize that guy oh, yeah, yeah i recognize him yeah so they're, they're getting good like you know working actors in it who can like you know hold their own so there's there's good performances throughout the performances aren't the issue with this film i think <laughs> if you think there are any issues yeah also, I think Lambert being so hard to pin down allows you to get away with being weirder. Mm. If you had a more stoic, typical A-lister, I don't think at that time you'd have guys that were going to be willing to do like that range, right? They, yeah. were, they would want to play it more stoic, like, all right, let's play the, the sad history of it and lean into that. I don't see them laughing at jokes awkwardly or like any of that stuff. And I, there's a richness to this that I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm saving it for my final thoughts, but when we talk about how it works in comparison to seven, I, I he plays appreci- it with such conviction. He's like, yeah, like it's so serious. And I mean, like obviously the movie, there's no humor in it anyway, but, I I think there are a lot of scenes in this movie where I would be laughing at the absurdity of it had it not actually been him being this... Like, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, I can't off the top of my... Well, yeah, well, the montage when he's, like, putting... Sorry, I'm getting ahead of us, but when he's, like, trying to figure out what the numbers, the Roman numerals mean, and he's, like, voiceovering in his head, and he's, like, one plus one, and they cut to it, and he's actually, like, writing that on the notebook. Any other actor, but he's so into it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you figure that out, Chris. It it made me think, like, what if fucking any other director directed the room? What would you end up with? (laughs) Would it be mm. 10% more cohesive? Would it lose all of its charm? It probably would. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, And I'm not sure. to say that Lam- Lambert is anywhere as bad as Wiseau, but <laughs> the room is what it is because he is not afraid to do anything and he doesn't really know the rules. Lambert is probably looking at this as like, I like Seven. I like these detective movies. I haven't got to show this range in America. Let mm. me do that. So he has, it's fucking, I, it's fearless in a way. Like, I don't see any hesitation coming through. No. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I do think there is some entertainment in having William Bear play the main character. It is, like, it, it ends up kind of, the tone of the movie is serious, but sometimes the delivery feels like it's being siphoned through, like, Google Translate. Like, it's kind of, it's it's just off enough that it's like, yeah. The delivery is funny, but the tone is serious, and it's kind of a weird juxtaposition of, you know, two things together. Well, I'm curious. Do you do you put that on Lambert, or do you put that on Mulcahy? 
because you have Lambert completely committing to it and giving it his all, maybe trusting that the director is going to kind of deliver it in a tone that, you know, isn't going to undermine it. And I think sometimes some of Mulcahy's flourishes, so to speak, uh, don't do justice to um, the 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 disguise and shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, that and just all like the, the whip cameras, you know, and like the, yeah, yeah. that's gotta be his music video background. I think Mm so. So yeah. Stuff like it's just so silly. Although David Fincher music video, Mm -hmm. I I was going to say, that might be more of a late nineties thing. Maybe that's what it was. Like, let's try to modernize it and throw, because those are the worst parts of the movie. Those, those aspects of it ruin it. Yep. But Kron, do you get a, a canon vibe from this? Yeah, like, I mean, this is I could ten see years that. too if, like, late. Canon had kept going, this would fold right into their '90s catalog yeah. that would have come out. Because this would be just as weird if this was Chuck mm-hmm. playing it, right? It would be a different type of weird, but it it would it wouldn't be Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt. So. All right, guys, we've got to move through this. This is fun. (laughs) All right, these guys are tucking into a big old bowl of crawfish somewhere. Uh, They're discussing the case. Prudhomme wonders why this guy didn't just take the entire body. Back home, Prudhomme kind of snaps at his wife over the case. Um, He goes over to his desk at home and pulls out a picture of his son and starts crying. We cut over to the morgue. Uh, Those are solid, solid Hollywood tears, man. Mm-hmm. Like For that, real. he was he was ready. We cut over to the morgue. Uh, victim number one is laid out on a slab. The cameraman playfully moves around the corpse <laughs> to show you this guy's package. <laughs> uh, coroner says, "I've had some time to check all this out. Whoever the killer is, he's sick." He initially knocked this guy out, maybe with a taser, uh, but he waited for him to wake back up before he cut off the arm. And he also adds that this guy's a professional, like, it was almost surgical-like precision to this. Yeah, but you know what Seven didn't show? Dicks, right? I think they did. You, yeah. they, they do you, you for get gluttony. Gluttony. You get gluttons, yeah. big old big old hog. The, yeah, the the prosthetic oh, yeah, people right. gave him a gave him a big dong because they felt bad about him having to lay in the cockroaches and stuff for so long on set. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna triple the dicks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how you get him. It's like seven, but more dicks in my movie. <laughs> he walked in. He wrote dicks on the whiteboard, <laughs> or he wrote dick, and then he wrote dicks, and they were like blank mm-hmm. check. Oh, he I- wrote seven dicks and they're like wait you're gonna show seven dicks and he was like no 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 you got it all wrong it's seven plus dicks maybe we'll show more dan i i thought you were gonna say he wrote dick and then the s was a dollar sign (laughs) (laughs) and then these fucking assholes didn't even release it theatrically Corner adds, uh, also, you got to check this out. The killer left Roman numerals on this guy's back, and there's also like a burned-in key mark in his neck. Prudhomme goes over and grabs a bunch of keys from evidence. They start trying to match them up. They find the one that fits, uh, and they trace it over to like a storage box outside of a train station or something. That's a cool clue. Mm -hmm. I think. I agree. I think. 
I'm just uh, wondering how many keys are in like evidence, like warehouses. Hmm. There's gotta be a shitload of keys. Yeah, I, I assume that was real. like his keychain, like the victim's keychain or yeah. something, right? Uh-huh. So it's like keys to his house and. Hmm. Yeah, but I guess there would be a lot of them just in like cold cases, you know, keys in boxes throughout America. That's yeah, true. Yeah, John That's Doe janitors that get strangled. Yeah, I'm sure there's. Uh, these guys race over to the storage box. They open it up. Inside, they find a single flower. They meet up with a, a botanist. She says it's from a flower that only grows in Australia. The only place you'd find it around here is the botanical gardens. There's like a weird part here where he's like, what about the botanical museum? And she's like, no. <laughs> then she's like, but probably at the botanical gardens. Yes. Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't know how those things aren't connected. Like that seems like a one big building situation. Yeah. I don't yeah. know why you have to drive from one end of Chicago to the other to, to hit both of them. One is for science and one is for pleasure. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. We go over to the botanical gardens. The guys find the plant that they're after. A police photographer starts to go up and take pictures of it, but he notices the ground underneath has been, like, pulled up recently. They start, uh, you know, pulling all this, like, sod and shit back, and they find victim number two. Prudhomme starts to investigate. When do you know it? This guy's missing the other arm. And he's also got some Roman numerals carved into his chest. Does it ever say, like, why he did arms first? Or does it, does it, did it matter what body part was at what time? It definitely doesn't say. I'm not, I'm not sure if it would have mattered. I don't know enough about, like, yeah. That's what I was wondering. I was like, why did why did you do arms first? Like, why would I would do torso? Like, get it out of the way. Well, it's like weird the, the order he's like arms, then head, then legs, yeah. then well, torso. You know, the the arms had the nails going through at the wrists or the hands, depending on yeah. you know what you believe, how they, you know, crucified him. So maybe maybe that's why. Maybe that determines how big of a cross he's gotta build. Because uh, yeah. height wise, who gives a shit? But yeah, if he's he needs to know if he needs to buy a two by eight or a two by ten. You know, for this kid. Price of lumber right now. God damn, dude. I mean. <laughs> I was going to say, wouldn't you need the torso too? Because you have a wide torso. It doesn't matter where you set those arms up. You're going to be adjusting, you know, if you get a if you get a bigger size dude there. Well, I, I was going to bring this up, but he does a pretty poor job of, of assembly. There's a lot of, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of gaps. It's a little, it's pretty half-assed. So yeah, I'm wondering sure. if maybe that torso wasn't as as big as he Fuck was planning because there's a good. He finished I, the fucking project. Leave him alone. No, he a, didn't. He didn't finish, dude. Yeah. <laughs> he needed one more special His... part. That. Oh, we'll get there. Uh, all right, back at the police station, they've ID'd the second victim. This guy's named Matthew. Uh, they're trying to piece it all together. Roman numerals on the corpse. Uh, the first one is 119. The second is 2427. Prudhomme goes back home. He has a flashback to his son. He's teaching him to ride a bike. 
John accidentally like bumps into someone during this scene. He falls down. This kid just keeps pedaling. He's a heat-seeking missile for tires. Uh, John starts screaming. The wife starts screaming. This kid will not stop pedaling. He rolls out into traffic. <laughs> he gets know, vacuumed under a car. It's incredible. They, sh- they show a lot more here than I was expecting. They they show right up to the point where the vehicle's about to run this kid over. No, and you he's see like him under get run over. You actually, okay, yeah, the tire so goes it, over. Yeah, he's, the body. It does. That okay, dummy. Right. That dummy goes under the car. Yeah, okay, right. it's rough. Yeah, that's that's a lot to see a, a a kid be killed in what's supposed to be a very dramatic and this is like upsetting way. If Pet Cemetery had balls, it would be this scene. <laughs> It's just so crazy because it's like you could have just cut to the mother's face or to John's face Mm -hmm. and you would have, I mean, you would have understood what happened, but to show an obvious doll full of rags (laughs) pushed into oncoming traffic. I hate to say it in reference to a kid being run over, but I'm so glad we got to see it. Uh, The thing that I would cut is the shot of the kid turning around and then just continuing pedaling on. Like, it makes (laughs) his kid seem dumb. Mm -hmm. Or, uh, forgive me, you show that the kid had, like, uh, uh, is deaf or something. Mm -hmm. Like, had ear, uh, what do they call those? Like, um, an ocular upgrade or something, you know? So, like, you hint that he couldn't really tell what was going on, and that's why he was pushing him, you know? But I feel like fact- this is this is like a perfect like microcosm or example or whatever of of exactly what is so goofy about this movie because like the whole scene could have been fixed if he ran into that rollerblader right at the edge of the road instead of a mile and a half back on this sidewalk <laughs> yes. that goes on forever. Yes, mm-hmm. that's all it would take. It's just like the blocking of the scene is so weird. The writing and performances are just perfect on par with what they need to be it is the direction and certain choices elsewhere that are being made (laughs) all right the guys are back on the crime beat another body gets called in it's down in what looks like i don't know a combination of skid row and the club from strangeland like yeah um they also pass by a, a like a fully nude woman who's drugged up and like what no, was with that shot? Yeah, <laughs> no so cop weird. goes to help like or no. to ask what's happening. And there's like this Chicago, like halo. Baby. There's like this halo light above her, and you see uh, Prudhomme like look at her, and it's like you're supposed to think there's something going on here like it's like it's like she's like an angel or something i don't know but it it, like it it felt so out of place in that area i I don't know i kind of thought to dan's point that yeah it was just like this is like they're just showing how greasy the underside of the city is there's just like one cutaway and no one bats an eye and they're like yeah this is a shithole we expected this 
and also in the hierarchy of crime here it's like we got to deal with the murder first then we'll deal with the naked person <laughs> we got a well, body I, I, <laughs> yeah <laughs> they, I mean, they show how shitty and grimy it is. They do. The, the fact that she's like bathed in this angelic light just felt like so out of place for that. It is That's, pretty weird. Yeah. Maybe the studio is like, you've shown nine dicks in your original <laughs> cut. Like we've got, like you've got a single pair of tits in there. Yeah. <laughs> do something, you know. Guys are walking out. <laughs> All right, eventually the detectives, they get to a bathroom. They find a headless guy sitting on a, on a toilet. Uh, again, the cameraman here allows us a slow pan up so we can see this guy's, I mean, seven deadly sins. We, we're at seven deadly dicks, dude. It is, I think it's a cool reveal. The, the, I think the establishing, no, just like, the framing of the body on that toilet and everything and the way that you walk in with them through that hallway, I think is cool, man. Uh, Hollinsworth starts freaking out. He just keeps asking, where's this guy's head at? Yeah. Uh, you're it the detective. Like... Tell me, you tell me Hollinsworth. It, 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 what is so different from the head being removed versus a limb? Because he's really reacting so strongly yeah. this head being gone. In comparison to, you know, what I'm sure he's seen a yeah, lot. Yeah, he's homicide. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. He probably started in, like, traffic accidents. I'm sure he's seen, you know, you got to work your way up to homicide. So I know. I, that is the natural progression. Traffic accidents to burglary to homicide, I believe. Yeah, once you solve a, a traffic accident, then you're allowed to be a detective. Yep. No, you got to spend some time. In traffic, then burgerly, burglarly. Burgerly, burger. I didn't Is eat that... dinner tonight. Jesus. Uh, guess, as who, a... guess who got promoted to the burger unit, babe? <laughs> I, I have some stories. I have one story in particular that I will not share. If you're interested, mm-hmm. I'll tell you guys off pot. Okay. But I think it's a, it. a body missing a head would is far less crazy than if like the head is still attached and it's it's like a gunshot wound and blown out or mm-hmm. there's like mangled like the part missing to me is not near as bad as the part still attached and mangled. Yeah, okay. but I mean to to be fair though, Bones like. If it was off the body, you would expect it to be one foot to the left, like not completely, like unaccounted for. Well, I mean they've 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 been at two other crime scenes where limbs or appendages are not you know accounted for. I feel like they're kind of expecting it at this point. Yeah. Plus, this guy probably had the least amount of pain of anybody. Hmm. From a torture horror aspect, the fucking arm, the fucking leg guy later, that's the worst. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I, to your point, Kron, yeah, maybe. But I also wonder, would I be more impacted if the head was laying next to it? That's a good would point. that freak me out more? But if there's no head, it's, I don't know what this thing is. <laughs> it's got no eyes. It's got no soul. 
Yeah, so Leland reacting so strongly here, I, it felt out of place. It, it just seemed a little odd am, for am, his character. Am I the only one who thought maybe they were really trying to lean into he's our our guy? So, yeah, I kind of felt that way at the beginning. Yeah. Okay. Mostly because of his role in Seven, I felt like they were maybe trying to hint that it could have been him. But I don't know if it ever, like, I was ever, I was never really on board with it just because, you know, he had played a person who had ended up killing someone in Seven. So I just, it felt like it would have been a little too obvious. Do you, you don't th- think he ever said anything? Like, maybe we're doing Seven a little too much here, guys? <laughs> I think Leland Oster is the type of actor who's happy to have a role in a film, especially like a heftier role than he probably is used to in, in bigger budget movies, you know? Oh, and the reason he stands out in seven is how incredible he is in that interrogation scene, mm-hmm. like his freak out. And mm-hmm. I have to assume it's all, yeah, it's only like a minute. Yeah. Oh. And I wonder if they were like, Hey man, you're here because you did that great freak out. Give us as many freak outs as possible. Yeah, like we need that, that seven yeah, freak out magic. Bring that there, intensity. There's another connection, Nick. Yep. Okay. Add that to the list. <laughs> All right. They call in their coroner buddy again. They've ID'd this guy. His name is James. Uh, coroner also adds, I've got a pretty good idea what killed this guy. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> it's a good joke. Yeah. yeah. You got to have it, right? Mm-hmm. Got to have that humor if you're doing that job. Yep. 100%. Yeah. Outside the crime scene, all the cops are baffled. No witnesses. How could some guy come in here, saw off a head, and leave with it, and no one's seen anything? Back at the police station, they pull up James, uh, his file. He looks real familiar, but I can't quite place it yet. Get a montage of Prudhomme doing some detective shit. He just keeps repeating numbers over and over. He's writing down names, repeating more numbers, adding numbers. He does add one plus one (laughs) equals two. He falls asleep, but he wakes up just talking about more numbers. Kron, you have to show your work, dude. Okay? If you get some slimy fucking criminal attorney as like, how the hell did you get this two? Like, where did this two come from? If you don't have one plus one in your evidence, I... Mm -hmm. That's the new math. The new math they make you show every single step. You know, you got you got to show that work nowadays. I think if you got down to one plus one, nope. you, should, you should get you, to skip a step. You'd think that's where you start, dude. Oh, you you start every math equation with one plus yeah. one. I mean, at the very least, if he has to like secure a warrant or something, he's got to be able to prove that his work is legit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're not going to let him, like, bust into someone's house or something based on nothing. Mm -hmm. Guys, how bad is the new math? I hear all these horror stories about new math. Is Uh, Good question. I don't know. I hear all the horror stories, too, but my daughter's not in a a high enough grade where she's having to, like, go through and do all that yet. Okay. Mine's in third, and she's bringing home multiplication now. I'm like, Hmm. ask your mom. (laughs) 
so is it is it like essentially like they because it used to be like you, they would teach like memorization so you'd give like you'd have the multiplication table so you would see like nine times nine is 81 and you know like whatever and now it's like they want you to actually write it out and show how you get to every single answer basically is that essentially it well right now she's has like regular problems like 52 times 36 or whatever mm-hmm. But then the end of the work will be like it's all written out. So Tom took 102 photos and then he took 106 photos this next month. So how many photos? So now they're starting to get into like the word process of it all. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I've never seen like a list of the, yeah, like what we used to have, like the twos, the threes, the four, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I don't know. If she it's has all trouble, math. If she has reading. trouble with nines, you just show her stand and deliver, and he teaches you the nine finger trick. You know what I'm talking about? What's that? Yeah. You never seen that? Like you stand hold up all your fingers, yeah, and you go nine times one, and you take one, and then you got nine left, and then you go nine times two, and then they got one and eighteen, one and eight, eight, and you can do that all the way through. See, yeah, I was always just taught that you just add the two numbers together. So, like, uh, you know, nine times nine, it's eight and one because that equals nine, so it's 81. Hell you know? yeah. Nine times 10, 90, nine plus zero. Yeah. See, Cron, it's not seven, it's nine. Obviously. All right, All right Brantley, 1,394 <laughs> oh, <shit>. times. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't remember my multiplication table was going that high. <laughs> We know what the next rewind uh, quiz will be. Yeah, just math stuff. <laughs> everybody, right, wait, wait, wait. everybody have six beers before we start, and then we'll try to do <laughs> complex math. Get, wait, wait, give me one, Cron. Give me like a really ridiculous one, and I'll see if I can if I can put it together. All right, uh, one thousand four thirty three. One four three three. Okay. Times seven sixty-two. Okay, seven sixty-two. One million ninety-one thousand nine hundred forty-six. I didn't check, so <laughs> I think he's got his phone down there. <laughs> I can't. I'm not a savant. I cannot do that. Bones is doing it by hand over here. I'm trying. Yeah. I was See, trying to be impressive. nice and check your work. Yeah, that's impressive. We'll but have I just a, had that calculator. We'll have Bones really shorten the time there so it sounds immediate. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I do was trying to. Maybe I, I was should trying to actually make it look like I was processing it. <laughs> Let's do uh, reactions that he was right. Oh <gasps> shit! Yeah, you're right. Oh wow. shit! All right. After this montage, we finally, uh, John's finally caught on. It's Peter one nineteen and Matthew twenty four twenty seven. These are Bible verses. Do you got them, Cron? Uh, no, I didn't write these down. God, you fucking shit podcast we're on, dude. Do you have them? No, this is your movie. All right. Well, <laughs> you should have them memorized, Dan. I had to do near dark last week. You know how much that took out of me? Jeez. Okay. Walk into sunlight. 
That, that didn't have any Bible verses. I became verses. a fucking vampire. Here's a, here's Peter one nineteen. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. What was the other one? Uh, Matthew twenty four twenty seven. Twenty four twenty seven. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible, even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Whoa, Brantley did those from memory. Oh, from memory. <laughs> oh, shit, dude. Brought <laughs> uh, reviews all this with Hollinsworth. Uh, Do you know Job 314, Kron? No. Kron, you know Austin 316 just whooped your ass? Yeah, I do know that one. Uh, do you want me to say Job 314? You know it? Yeah, it's obviously. It's with kings and rulers of the earth who built for themselves places now lying in ruins. Mm -hmm. Why do you know that, Bones? Because it's Job 314. Well, close-ish. Mission Impossible. Oh, okay. Oh, Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, burned your ass, Karan. I thought it was probably something from some, like, Batista movie or something. (laughs) I thought it was a reference to Lawnmower Man. I thought you were doing a Lawnmower Man bit. Job. Oh, Job, yep. Job can only go up to one. It'd be Job one. <laughs> well, he gets pretty smart, dude. He can go above Fair enough. one. Fair enough. Uh, Cyber Christ has its own set of <laughs> scriptures. <laughs> That's a new text. It's yeah. all zeros and ones. We couldn't read it anyway. <laughs> Let's see. Whoever this killer is, he's been killing one guy per week. Uh, he's rebuilding the body of Christ. If he stays on his schedule, that's three more weeks. That gets us right to Easter. Hmm. I th- think he also adds, like, all these victims were 33. They all have numerals carved into them. They all have apostle names. Prudhomme's really putting it together in this section of the movie. Mm-hmm. Is this where he also figures out that the jobs that they do tie into the jobs that the apostles did, too? Yeah, that might be like around here because okay. like Belcor is owns like a fishing company or something. Yeah, one's a tax collector and yeah, stuff right. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So Nick, you and I aren't detectives, but our first assignment would then to be look up the rest of the apostles, their occupations, and then check Chicago for anybody that has that name, that occupation, and is thirty three years old, right? Like exactly. maybe start working with. No, I mean, so you, got, you, you guys are so far off. You need to go see your priest about an obscure word that is written in one of the letters, so that he can tell you who is the sons who were named with them or whatever. Way if my off. priest was David Cronenberg, I'd go see him for sure. Fair so, enough. See, I don't know. That's if your priest, if your priest is Cronenberg, you should. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's gonna, a, that's gonna be a fucked up crucifixion <laughs> in that church, dude. I think you guys should just both jump on the sword. Hell yeah. An end of days. Mm-hmm. Good comparison to end of days in this movie, double feature. Mm. Or I stigmata. You, yeah, I think you get a run of like nineties kinda like late nineties religious tinged. You know, stigmata, this, in today's. Yep. I'm sure there's a few more. We were but... feeling guilty, man. We had had too much fun. <laughs> Coming off the excess of the 80s, we had to get serious with ourselves. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kruger had too much fun, dude. 
to repent. Prodhome gets home. He sees this nosy-ass Cronenberg priest in his house. Uh, this guy's like, you haven't been to church in six months. God loves you. John snaps back. My son was in a coma for five days. Really? I th- oh, we nearly saw his head pop off his body. <laughs> uh, he says, where was God then? What were you going to say, Dan? I was going to say, they always start with that. They always know exactly how many weeks you haven't been to fucking church. Is your priest like the, cut? The fucking bears were on a run, dude. Like, what do you want me to do? Wow. Like, I'm so not, I'm not going to miss that. So, Dan, you stopped going to church in 1974. <laughs> Rest in peace, uh, Mr. Butkus. Oh, yeah. I saw yeah. that. John goes downstairs, starts to pour himself a glass of scotch. Uh, Sarah, his wife, comes down. She's like, I can't reach you. You never talk to me. They fight. We, they cry. You never they get hug. out of bed. <laughs> She's doing her best, Dan. <laughs> we all grieve differently. John arrives at work the next day. He walks up to some cops mid-conversation. One guy says... And then she got hit by a bus. John just starts cracking up at this. <laughs> they all stare at him. And he's like, that wasn't a joke? And this other guy's like, no, my cousin's girlfriend got hit by a bus last night. This is a good... So, like, this I feel like would work really better in, like, a comedic cop film where the hard-nosed detective never, like, laughs at the jokes. And the one time he tries, he really fucks up. <laughs> It feels so like it feels so weird in this film. I love that they included that scene. Yeah, <laughs> I do too. So wild. Oh, well, they got to set up some other shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, you're still like, "Well, he's a good cop. Why doesn't everyone love him?" Now you know <laughs> he's trying. He's too hard. Terrible yeah. timing. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. just not any good at it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and Lambert has such a great laugh because it's an honest laugh. Like, it's he's not embarrassed by it. He just, like, lets it go. And it, mm-hmm. it's true. Yeah. <laughs> has anybody had a guy, like, that they knew that always told, like, the shitty jokes? I mean, this whole fucking podcast is that, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, not like his partner, no. I don't think I've ever... Mm-hmm met anyone like that i definitely had people that like want to stop and chat too much throughout the day it's like oh yeah i gotta do other shit here i mean i can't stand here for an hour i've certainly had my 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 share of the old bored guy who's like working alongside a young guy so you know probably says a lot of shit he shouldn't say you know, so like a lot of dirty jokes or like, you know, inappropriate work conversations about, you know, female coworkers. Like I used to work with a guy who would like point out women and be like, yeah, I wouldn't fuck that. I'd be like, I don't think you can, dude. <laughs> also, you don't stand a chance. Yeah. Take take a couple of these pills, buddy. <laughs> In Prudhomme's defense, can I just say here that, like, no human being would ever end his story 
with and then she got hit by a bus there would be more to it like wait, if wait, prudhomme wait. hadn't you... walked in would they all have just broken up and gone back to their desk after that line are you questioning lambert's writing of this movie nick i no, mean I... <laughs> you feel no, like i wouldn't do that he would start with that yeah that would is what he would start with right yeah. Hey, she got hit by a bus. Oh, shit. Crazy what? story, man. I can't believe it. She got hit by a bus. I had to rush her to the hospital. Yeah, you're right. The I mean, implication be... <laughs> is that he just told like a five-minute story about whatever the fuck she did all day long and ended it at the only important part of the story, which is, and then she got hit by a bus. Exactly. She broke up with her fucking boyfriend. She headed out. They went out to dinner that night. They went to some fucking Italian place down there. As they were leaving, yeah, she got hit by a bus. <laughs> There could be more story after, and then she got hit by a bus. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, there right. could be. I would expect there would be, but. I guess well, it is delivered in the movie like a punchline. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is completely understandable that he thinks it's a joke and is not a serious story. I, I'm not saying like his instincts were wrong there. Just the entire way that that's written and how it plays out is just crazy for this movie. Well, I guess... I mean, to play devil's advocate, though, you can't just walk up at the punchline and then crack up maniacally. <laughs> that's all. That's also really creepy. Like, yeah, if some, if other people, like if the like four of us were cracking up at something, and Dan came back in and just started laughing with us naturally, that's almost that's probably more creepy to me. I think. In this... a movie full of tropes, that is a classic trope of someone who's trying to ingratiate themselves with other people that they kind of mosey up and they the other people laugh and they try to join in too and like enter the group, right? Yeah. So like in that sense, like I get it. It's like a typical, you know, storytelling beat for a character. But but his laugh the... is so like hearty and genuine <laughs> that I th- I genuinely when you first every time I see that scene I forget what ha- that it's and I'm just like oh he's he's just being an asshole and making fun of how all their jokes suck like that's such a fake laugh he comes in and he's just like you guys are always telling terrible jokes and I always thought that was his point there yeah it's also crazy that that would be the joke that he would finally try to laugh <laughs> at to get in with him because his son died from being hit by a vehicle <laughs> yeah. like it'd be so it'd be yeah. if it was some other crazy event that happened that his the guy's sister got injured with that he laughs at i get it but being hit by a vehicle is so wild <laughs> that's a good point we have been on this for so long i'm sorry cron we are slowing you down <laughs> maybe right. he blames the doctors and not the car there's a lot of nuance in this movie we yeah. you saw that kid over get hit <laughs> he took the hit like a champ <laughs> There would be no doctor in that scenario. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The guys get set up with this uh, profiler, Agent Wingate. He says, uh, this guy's moving at an accelerated rate. I got to look at the file. Uh, this is some guy, obviously above average intelligence, white male, 25 to 45, probably a loner. He can navigate social situations when he has to. Uh, he'll have strong religious and moral convictions. Oh, thank God. I'm out of this. So, <laughs> really so before he goes in and meets with them, you know, there's the whole scene where Prudhomme, like, is annoyed that they're bringing in a fed. And, oh, let me guess, he's going to be some white male 25 to 45. And then he, like, cracks up when the fed says that in the in the room, right? Because mm-hmm. it's playing into that trope that, like, Prudhomme's, like, the smartest detective and he doesn't need anyone. 
but I feel like it gets undercut as the scene plays on where he is learning information from the Fed, where he's like, oh, oh, okay, oh, interesting, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but, but yeah, Trope City here. Not liking the Feds coming in, having to be the smartest detective, all that. This guy adds, the killer doesn't look at this as murder. He's making sacrifices to God. He wants his victims to suffer just as Christ did. Guys go over to see their coroner buddy once again. They ask him some questions about the third victim. Uh, he's like, this guy was full of olives. His fucking stomach full of olives. That's all he had in him. Hollinsworth and Prudhomme, they go down to a diner. Uh, Hollinsworth grabs a paper. The headline reads, Number ki- Numbers Killer Strikes Again. They should have called up the Chicago Sun-Times and been like, it's fucking numerals killer mm-hmm. <laughs> we made such a big issue about it earlier in the movie Karan, don't you have a standing like beef with the chicago yeah sometimes? i don't think you're supposed to mention that yeah oh. until the litigation settled i don't want to <laughs> i'm legally not allowed to talk about it i said some things about one of their reporters <laughs> Uh, let's see. Protohome says we got to find this guy. If he keeps killing uh, up until Easter, he's going to disappear just like Jack the Ripper. Protohome respects this guy. He's His dedication, his planning. He's like, this guy found a fisherman named Peter, a tax collector named Matthew. Uh, he also says there's 50 ways to fuck up a crime scene. If you think a 20-year genius, this guy hasn't made a mistake yet. Guys, I think it's time for us to take a pee break. All right. Walls. Oh, sorry. God damn it, Brayley. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, dude. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Five Days Re- Five Day Rentals podcast. Uh, Brantley, you got me all flustered over here. Uh, if you're just now joining us, we're watching Seven Rection. So strap in. All right, Pred Home. He's been receiving letters from the killer. He's pouring over these things one night. He sees a reference he doesn't understand, so he goes to see his priest frenemy. He asked the priest about the Bonargis, the Sons of Thunder. Uh, this guy's like, oh yeah, the, they're the Sons of Zebedee. Priest tells him it's from Mark 317. Uh, let's see. It references that John, the brother of James, those guys were named the Bonargis. Prudholm runs out of the church. He's like, I know who the fourth victim's going to be. So this guy named John, he's going to be the brother of the third victim. I think that's how this works. That's how I took it. Yeah, okay. that's exactly mm-hmm. right. Yeah, you got it. It's like a little quick in this section it, it, of like yeah. piecing the parts together. So I had to rewind this like a couple times and make sure I got it down as best I understood it. Prudhomme gets over to John's house. Uh, He goes up some some stairs and finds him. This guy's kind of got like 
a loft, like a giant fucking loft, and it looks like he's doing painting or photography or, you know, some kind of art. There's all this kind of, like, prints and then, like, I don't know, some kind of linen or cloth hanging up to block off sections. Eventually, he finds this guy. Why would uh, you have to put that in your notes? It's important, Dan. People got to know that... That it was cloth? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to section off the room. Just wondering. Mm-hmm. How much yeah, do you guys think that loft space would go for in Chicago right now? God damn. Uh, I mean, fucking God. 90s. $12,000 a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, easily. Yeah. This Insane. is what I was going to ask here. Um, I'm not sure what the term is, but whenever there's a movie about an artist or a movie about a writer or a movie about a band, and then they have to sort of create stuff, right, fresh for said story, we've gotten really lucky with music, right? Stuff built for or created for particular movies is is usually pretty good. I can't recall ever watching a movie about an artist and being like, that is like legit good art. It always seems to be the most basic modern art sort of shit. Like this is just like grungy sort of meat house vibe, like all of the artwork that this particular dude was doing. But can you guys think of a movie or even like writing? I don't ever feel like cliffhanger. Shit. His buddy and okay. cliffhanger when he's yep, painting the banana right, the eating banana. the monkey, nature in reverse. Asked and answered. That's a fucking great painting. <laughs> Bringing it back to Chicago, the most recent Candyman. Oh, yeah. 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 Nick, I love how you had that in the fucking chain. Who <laughs> thinks of cliffhanger when they're thinking about artwork in a movie? It's easy you when just... you think of cliffhanger every day. <laughs> well done, sir. Thank you. I'm so glad I asked that. Nick, how often are you thinking about the Roman Empire? I'm not. I'm thinking about fucking cliffhangers. (laughs) Do you think Stallone has that in his basement somewhere? That fucking... Oh, God, I hope so. so. I told him that this would be like a good idea. You have the banana, (laughs) eat the monkey. You don't think it's in like a planet Hollywood in like Dubai or some shit? Could be. <laughs> now everyone's like, "What the fuck is that?" Not is that, this that's personal collection material, dude? Yeah. Is this painting going to be in the remake? Uh, it better or the be. reboot. Oh. Yeah, it should be hanging on the wall or something in his place. That's the most if they memorable were, part of that movie. If they were cool, they would do that. They would give you yeah. a little, a little nod to. It's <laughs> the Ellen Bernstein of this uh, remake. Yeah. Cron, is Absolutely. that going to be a a two day rental? Is Stallone is in it? I don't know. I'm is just a, asking. Is Lithgow in it? <laughs> I hope so. His charred corpse? What? Okay. They could bring him back. Okay. I, yeah, I guess. We only saw the helicopter explode. We didn't see. They could have jumped out. Yeah, yeah. You just need a little thing at the beginning where he parachutes out. <laughs> Lands in some really soft snow. Yeah, and there's a ton of soft snow up there. Yeah, <laughs> wolves take care of them for you know two months. You could easily write Lithgow back into 
<laughs> Dude, a Lithgow fucking raised by wolves. <sighs> Unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Have they started shooting yet? Because if not, we should try to pit. We should pitch something. We got two guys in the industry right now. I'm sure <laughs> we've got. A, over. I'm sure yeah, we've got a pipeline. Over, All right. Uh, where am I in this thing? <laughs> We're at the loft. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, let's see. Prudholm looks over. Uh, he finds John, but this guy's not doing well. He's one leg down. He's gushing blood. He's not going to last very long. Uh, he's John. Eventually, is like the leg is right on the ground. Like the killer must still be in here. Uh, Prudholm and Hollinsworth, they kind of start checking the place out. They see a guy bolt, so they start chasing him. He runs up to the roof, uh, jumps off. They kind of lose him for a minute. They follow him down into kind of a alleyway. They split up. They decide to split up and keep searching. Hollinsworth eventually finds this guy, but ends up getting tased about 13 times. Uh, eventually a mask guy staggers out. Prudhomme realizes what's going on too late. This guy's arms are taped up. He's holding a gun. Prudhomme screams out no, but one cop fires a shotgun. Mask guy goes down. They all run up. It's Hollinsworth. So this, like, dirty yellow rubber mask, um... That the killer originally had on that they put on Hollinsworth here. What a weird look. Yeah. It's never really explored in the movie why that's his getup. I would have expected something a little more religious themed. I don't I don't know how that ties in at all. Like a and he likes it so much that he apparently goes out and buys an identical mask because he's yeah, wearing it again he, later. Exactly. Yeah. He's probably got mask. He's probably got three or four of them. You <laughs> yeah, know. He just, you probably bought him in bulk. Yeah. Four, a pack of five. <laughs> it is a weird yeah. mask. It, really weird. And I it's got to it be hard to get on because it's going to pull your hair every time you're like trying to yank it on. I don't it, think we get enough of it. <laughs> it kind of looks like a slipknot mask, right? It, 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 it does look like the, uh, what is that? That's All Hope is Gone era, Dan? <laughs> Yeah, that flat in the eye. Other. Yeah, God, I fucking hate that I know that. Um, <laughs> Slipknot is a good band. They are a fucking good band. They're very good. They had um, two good albums. They Let's have, be they serious. Have, they have four good albums. Huh? Um, right, I'll give you three. <laughs> um, Dan, to your point, I didn't really catch what it was. I thought at first maybe it was like a blank. Is it is Kabuki the term that I'm looking for? Like that... Yeah, I, th- I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, like it, it's like white, it, almost um, painted mask. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't until the second watch that it had sort of like a clear plasticky sort of vibe to it. And then is he wearing like a uh, like a just a, like a plastic raincoat or something? Almost like the the Patrick Bateman, you know, axe scene. Oh yeah. So, so yeah. I, yeah, maybe the the idea, like to your point, Kron, is like he's got multiple. They're cheap. He can stow them and pull them out really easy or, you know, dispose of them really quick. 
Yeah. No. I mean, was the mask clear? To me, it looked like it was like a like a yellow and more opaque than like, clear. Yeah, dingy. Oh, I thought yeah, that was like the. Dingy. I thought that was his face coming through. I guess I uh, thought it was like a skin tone, like a. Yeah. Kind of, the Tubi transfer probably was not doing me any favors. <laughs> Why? I Tubi gave you transfer. a copy of this. It's <laughs> terrible. It is fucking terrible. Yeah. The Did rip that Kron gave us was way better. Oh, yeah. Bones, why didn't you watch the because that I, I gave you? Because I couldn't watch it over here. I wanted to watch it downstairs. Get a fucking... Put Plex, no, I, put Plex on the TV. I, I tried you, to get on Plex. You realize how fucking, fucking wouldn't work. big I am, okay? It's not that easy to like pull out a stick, come up here, move it to the stick, take it down there. Get behind the TV. Plug it in. I'm not doing all that. Plus, I got a Mac. I got a TV on every TV. I do, but you try to transfer it from this guy downstairs, or you take the Mac down there. The fucking battery. Get on Plex. What are you talking about? Download the app. We're cutting all this shit out because (laughs) you guys are making me seem like some sort of tech idiot. But you don't know the layout of my house. You don't understand. How does the app have anything to do with the layout of your house? It's an app. It, the signal it coming from this, where physically. I pl- you guys don't fucking understand AirPlay either. Okay, it, like you don't have to AirPlay. Why are you using AirPlay? <laughs> put the Plex app on your TV on yeah. Apple TV. You put it on Plex. Yes, I didn't know you yeah, put it on Plex. Download the Plex app. App. I didn't. I didn't know you put it on Plex. It's on there. I put everything I have on. Okay, Plex. well if I know Kron that now. Kron a movie. It's on Plex. I'm about to send all my movies to Kron. I'm about to beat the shit out of you with Nick's other arm. <laughs> I, this is my favorite part of the episode. So I also put the file in the Dropbox, which you have access to. I have the file. That's normally how I watch the stuff. And when I do, I cast it over to the office TV. I, I, I relax over here. Circumstances this week, I couldn't watch it up here. So I went downstairs. I tried to cast it. The connection sucked. I was like, I could take the laptop down. I was like, you know what? I think it's actually also on Tubi. I was like, I'll just do that. And that's what I did. I will say the other night I tried to watch it and it said the server was not available on Plex. So Okay, thank you, Dan. That's the other point. Strike Kron, your Kron. Plex isn't perfect yet. The server okay. is available. Okay. It wasn't that night. Dan, go put something on Plex right now. Hey, by the way... You gave us access to Arrow. That shit has porno on it. Does it's it? Not, it's not porno. It's adults only. Have you clicked on one? Yeah, I, it's, you're going like, to see me click on one. It's like, Vice, like, it's like Vice Academy and shit. It's like, okay. okay. But we're going to know where you finished whenever I click on it and I see where the <laughs> That's fucking bar. I was like, bar. I'm not clicking okay. on one of these motherfuckers. Yeah, you're going to have to... <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have to play from the beginning every time. I started. I started Vice Academy the other okay. day. I was curious what was going on over in the adults only section. <laughs> I logged on and I was like, "Bat pussy, what's that?" And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> all right, I'll I'll fucking change the password if you Damn, feel uncomfortable." Like no, I'm not. I'm not saying anything. I was just. I was like, "Wait, if I click on bat pussy, like." The dudes are gonna see that I watched Bat Pussy, and I was like, I don't, I don't think I want to hear that on the podcast. I didn't watch Bat. Okay, Pussy, guys. we're gonna code if 
we're going to keep it between ourselves. We're not going to out anybody for what they're watching in the adults only section. Okay. Okay. Do we assign like days? Like I got Wednesdays. You got, no, we're not. Tuesdays. We're not doing on whatever you want. When I'm in the mood, I'm not going <laughs> to fucking refer to my calendar. Is it my day to watch Bat Pussy? Okay. <laughs> well, now Brantley and Nick are in on this. They're like, well, I'll take Fridays. <laughs> yeah. How do How do I get access to your pucks there, Cron? Uh, well, apparently it doesn't work, which is a constant struggle I've been dealing with. Uh, I don't know. I could, I'll send you a link. But no one it's, else asked. It's beautiful. It's, it's running off a of Raspberry Pi. I can't do a ton of concurrent streams. All right, guys. Uh, they, rush, they rush Hollinsworth to the hospital. A doctor comes up and tells John it's not very good. They stop the bleeding, but the bone has been destroyed. They're going to have to amputate. John goes in to talk to Hollinsworth. He's freaking out. He's like, don't let him take my leg. Eventually, he passes out. John takes out his pocket knife and slides it under Hollinsworth's bed. Outside, the police chief is watching this, and he's like, what the hell is that? Hollinsworth, er... Prudhomme's wife said it's an old Cajun superstition. Put a knife under someone's bed and it cuts the pain in half. Wow, oh. that that's weird. That I immediately thought, like, I wonder if that's really true. Yeah, it sounds not. like bullshit. Yeah. I wish we I knew like, somebody. That's kinda, mm. Did they make it up for the movie, you know? Oh, that's how you boys oh. doing? <laughs> Either way, they didn't need to. Like, nothing comes of that. It looks it's like clearly they're trying to plant something for later, and then it's never mentioned again. The knife doesn't come back into play. It's great. I mean, Cajun Cron? Um, is yeah. that true? Yeah, is, yeah. Is, that a, is that a classic tradition? Cajun I'm Cron? sleeping on a bed of knives. <laughs> <laughs> no one can touch me. No one can hurt me. Now, do you have to, like, undo the knife, or do you just... Oh, it's got to be out. Okay, so you blade gotta has have, to you be You got to have the blade out. All right. <laughs> that's what I was wondering. I'm like, you just shove your pocket knife under a bed. That's, that's kind of weird. My backside is cut to shit. <laughs> <laughs> now, what is this? Does it work? Well... <laughs> It works, but you're gonna you're gonna look like you got the fucking tar beat out of you. I'm you're all messed like, up. You're gonna look like you got some Roman numerals carved into your backside. Mm-hmm. Mine has formed a perfect picture of an alligator somehow. <laughs> I mean, that fits you well, sir. It looks tough as hell. Um, how's how's the swamp? This time of year, it's a spooky season here. Of course, you know oh, it was very scary, Dan. <laughs> I, I imagine every day they are spirits. <laughs> they roam. They... You don't. You get any leaves? Are the trees that leaves fall? Or you know? No, they all all the trees down colors. here. The trees down here are all all green all the time. I'm yeah. It's Louisiana. There's those long stringy ones. Oh, like a weeping willow. I don't know. You don't know trees? I don't know the names of the trees, no. 
I figured, you know, you're a man of the swamp, so you would know this. I know Cypress? The, I know the names of the of the spirits that walk the swamp. How are the avocados down there? There's no avocado. What the hell are you talking about? Those grow in California and Mexico. It's a fucking swamp, Dan. Nothing grows here. There's obviously cypress trees. The only thing that grows here is bad times. <laughs> you really don't make me want to come to Louisiana. Well, don't come, then. I don't know what to tell you. I don't think I ever invited you. You know, there's three other guys on this podcast that can ask you all kinds I of see, questions. I see him snickering. <laughs> I was wondering if you had met Nick and Brantley before. Oh, I've never had the pleasure. It's so nice to meet what you. What parish you are you boys in? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're up, uh, we're up here in New Hampshire. I don't know oh, if you've heard of it. Oh, <laughs> we're, disgusting. We're, we're a couple of Yankees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy your apples, boys. <laughs> You're sounding a little down in the dumps tonight, Cajun Cron. Is everything it's just okay? A, it's a scary time of year in the swamp. Is all okay? When you when you leave the swamp, particularly in October, and you venture out into the rest of the the country, are you sort of offended by like the Halloween decorations that people will do? Because like people will try to make their house look shitty, and you live in a shitty house. Mm-hmm. Like, does that? Do you think that's like? Cultural well, just, appropriation. Just up top, the country ends at the borders of Louisiana for me, so <laughs> I don't venture. I've never left. If we flew you in as a special guest, you wouldn't. You wouldn't do it. Hmm. Never been on a plane unless my fan boat catches some air. Oh, does somebody say a fan boat? <laughs> Look at who we got here. Why it's me? Why are you, Brantley? I'm just a humble servant of the Lord and a renowned fanboat salesman. Akron, you know this guy? Of course I know. I know everybody in the bayou, Dan. Oh, me and Cajun Cron, we go way back. We go way back on the bayou. Eating a big old bowl of beignets with our shirts off. Oh, you know it. You know it. It's it's sweltering in October. Is your shirt off because your back's all cut to shit? (laughs) It's hot. It's so even in October. Even in the dead of night, it's hot as hell. The humidity is 180%. (laughs) Did you you buy your fan boat from Bayou Brantley? I bought a few fan boats from Bayou Brantley. Okay. It's easy to lose a fan boat. And you know, everybody down on the bayou has a fan boat. How? You you, you leave the fan running. Exactly. Drifts away. You know how in the rest of the country, kids will ride their bike to school? Or maybe uh, them Yankees up north sometimes in the winter, they'll ride a snowmobile to school? Down here on the bayou, kids are riding their fan boats to school every day. So everybody has a fan boat down here on the bayou. Mm Mm-hmm. Nick, you're here for an unprecedented event, man. I hope you're just taking it in. I'm enjoying it. Okay. Yeah, no, this is great. All right. So the, the Cajun contingent is taking over the podcast. <laughs> oh, say, we, we everywhere. Oh, Lord. You can't stop us. 
By you, Brantley, do you also sleep on a bed of knives? Oh, of course. You gots to. It's tradition. Anytime you need your pain cut, you, you get a knife under the bed. Okay. And of course, there's lots of pain down here. I'm just constantly in a state of sorrow and, and terrible pain. The pain is unending. Why do you? Why do you so stay? Many knives. <laughs> why? Why stay? Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's it doesn't only... seem like there's no joy there. Oh, there's joy. There's alligator Christmas. What the fuck? What is the that? fuck? It's alligator Christmas. What? <laughs> you boys don't know about Alligator Christmas. I no. guess you'll have to come back oh. in a few months. Is when the temperature drops to ninety nine degrees. Oh, <laughs> crispness is in the air. You put a long stringy wreath out. Mm-hmm. You had you... like crawdad carcasses or something. No crawdad carcasses, alligator teeth, uh, hides. Y- you decorate for alligator Christmas like you do every year. Mm-hmm. How many uh, boxes of frogs have you guys shared? Oh, there's no end. <laughs> How do you quantify that? I, you spend a lifetime with somebody, you know, you're friends for so long, you're sharing boxes of frogs constantly. Let's just say the multiplication tables do not go up that high. <laughs> they do not. Uh, I'm just going to spitball here. Does your Santa, does he ride a fanboat sleigh pulled by alligators? It seems obvious, but I feel like... I. Is there a Santa Claus who does not ride a fan boat pulled by alligators? Okay, this goes... Double check. What, check what's what's check Santa that you know ride? Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Is he wearing red? Well, that's only because his back is all cut up from sleeping on knives. <laughs> you Every, got it. And all will. clothes are red in the bayou, apparently. <laughs> He's wearing an A shirt because, you know, it's hot as hell. And then the back is all red from his back being all cut up. That's how we know who's visiting, who doesn't have a, a red tops and bottoms on. Mm-hmm. Well, we got our answer. I love you, I guess, I guess. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. I wish I, I wish I could say the same. I understand. We're Yankees, right? We're at mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Dirty. Oh, they just don't get our way of life. Mm-mm. Well, gentlemen, thank you for stopping by and and filling us in on all this wonderful knowledge. One question just turned into you know it always uh, does a ton it's, of knowledge. It's incredible. That we just did not know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, maybe you guys will be back next week. I don't know. Just I, we got to get them off for Christmas. <laughs> oh, I, 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 we gotta know what a Cajun oh, Christmas Chris, Christmas special. Yeah, I think we do a whole mm-hmm. category of Cajun Christmas. I didn't mean to blow over Halloween. It's very scary down here. Very spooky. Oh, it's terrifying. I don't go on the into the swamps after dark around here now. Not not this time of year. I have before, but I have died. <laughs> I've been brought back. Oh, oh thank God! God damn it! Okay, what what Cajun cron are we on? <laughs> I didn't want to ask. I'm timeless. Jesus Christ. All right, dudes. All right. Et- etouffee, All right. boys. You etouffee. Have a good evening. Etouffee. 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 etouffee.
All right, guys, we cut to the next morning. (laughs) John is at the station. He gets a call from Hollinsworth's doctor. He's like, somebody beat the hell out of an orderly down here and stole that guy's leg. John goes to see Hollinsworth. It's sad. Hollinsworth just wanted to be a good cop. Uh, Now he's been Lieutenant Dand. Pretty sad. Prudhomme goes to meet with Wingate again. Says, John, you're letting this guy into your head. Um, They're at a diner and Wingate orders slices of pizza and a coffee. That's disturbing, right? (laughs) Yeah. He calls it a pizza place later, too. It's obviously a diner. I know, it's so obviously a diner. (laughs) Would you get diner pizza? The diners have everything, so maybe, I don't know. I feel like that's like a sandwich thing. Kind of like, I feel like the pizza would be bad at a diner. I, I would imagine so. I and don't it, know. And it's not Chicago style pizza. Well, if you're in Chicago, every piece of pizza is Chicago style. But that's mm-hmm. what I mean. Don't they do sauce on top? He's like a, like a dish. I don't. The weird I mean, part is the coffee with the pizza. It's a little weird, but yeah. that whole diner is weird. Like the fact that the shades on the windows are just color temperature orange gels, yeah, <laughs> with like weights on the bottom. Yeah, yeah. It's a bizarre. It's a bizarre location. They they couldn't wait. They couldn't wait till five to shoot this. They had to. Sh- <laughs> they had ten other this setups. Is, this is the last shot of them. They're like, let's get it over with. I do mm-hmm. fucking dig Lambert. Calling out that punk who looks at him. Oh, yeah. He kind of snaps. Like, he pulls the fucking size more in heat. What the... Uh, Prudhomme says, hey, uh, this guy's crazy. Wingate is like, let's not jump to conclusions. Dahmer, Gacy, Bundy, all those guys were 100% sane. Were Back they? At... No. Of course not. <laughs> well, I guess it depends on your definition. Yeah, in the court of I mean, law, they, they, they were, knew what right? they were doing was wrong. Yeah. So in that sense, they were sane. I guess they just still did them. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's what he's trying to get at in the scene. I guess it just—I don't know. Put somebody in your crawl space. You're—you're <laughs> you're not playing with a full deck, right? I mean, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, there's. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely something wrong with you, for sure. Back at the station, John uh, gets a tiny little audio cassette in the mail. Do you guys remember these? I remember these oh, like yeah. little small... Uh, and then I was trying to think of like how much could you even fit onto one of those? Well, that's what your answering machine would have, right? Would be that small little say, tape. Yeah, I guess I, that's I, right. I remember it from Highlander. Oh man, okay, he loves these things. <laughs> it's a staple. Uh, it's the killer on the tape. He says, I guess I underestimated you. Last night was kind of crazy, huh? Really worked out for me. Uh, I still got a leg. John would have been better, but Andrew's okay. That's an apostle's name too. And then he says, your punishment will be remorse for the death of your wife. John instantly starts freaking out. He rushes home, weaving in and out of uh, 
of the French connection, essentially. <laughs> yeah. When he gets when he gets to the house, there are already cops there. The living room is just covered in blood. There's a corpse on the ground. You'd know that was brought up like during this. I I mean there's other movies that have filmed there, so <laughs> No. Like, that's the one. He wasn't like, well, like in was, Blues Brothers. Another that was New like, York, no, dude. You this Chicago. Idiot. It's allowed. The Cajun connection. Oh. <laughs> Nick, don't put us in another 15 no, minutes. Uh, yeah, you're right. Could, you're Popeye, right. <laughs> could Popeye get worse? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, John rolls this corpse over. It's not Sarah. It's Sarah's friend, Jenny. Oh, thank what, God. What oh, thank a turn God. of good fortune. <laughs> Chief arrives at the scene. He's like, hey, buddy, I'm sorry. This thing is personal now. We got to pull you off the case. John and Sarah go over to some motel. His, Sarah's kind of dumb because she's like, it was that killer, wasn't it? The one from the news? And he's like, yeah, he wanted to hurt me. Why would killing Ginny hurt you? <laughs> like, come on, lady. <laughs> put the put the two clues together. I, I think it's sort of worth it because the reveal, I think the actress does a really good job with that, that like, that oh, line, my God. Great. Yeah. She's like, oh, it was me. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, a good delivery. That it silent is. scream that she kind of has is, is really effective. Mm. All right, back at the police station, there are some detectives who decide to chase down a lead. A lady has called and said she recognized the voice on the news. All these guys, it's kind of cool. They're like they're picking out the team, and then the guy's like, "All right, Brett home, you come too." <laughs> yeah, that was a nice little moment. He's like, "You said I could pick anyone I want." Mm-hmm. So, yeah. They arrive over at the hotel. They go upstairs. They talk to this lady. She's like, it's Mr. Bresler. He's down the hall in 4J. Then she adds, uh, if it happens to be him, do I get anything? And one cop says, the appreciation of the people of Chicago. You got to work those deals out up front. (laughs) She's like, you never played for fucking the Bulls, motherfucker. Cops walk down to Bresler's place. Uh, have Bresler read some sentences. It is the voice from the news, but John opens a book and it's all in Braille. He's like, this isn't the guy. Uh, Bresler says, yeah, a guy came over, paid me 50 bucks, uh, said he was making a movie, which I knew was bullshit, but 50 bucks is 50 bucks. How did he know it was 50 bucks? Well... <laughs> Good question. Yeah, I mean, like... it's a good question. Usually when... If you get it from the bank, so you're trusting what they're giving you, you fold them in different ways, so you know Mm -hmm. that a 50 is folded one way versus a 20 versus a 10, 5, 1, and all that. But yeah, when it's someone on the street, yeah, it's a good question. Uh, You give him at least 50... You give give him at least 50 bills, because he'd be able to recognize that. So you would say at Mm -hmm. least... If you give me ones, at least you gave me the minimum. If he gave oh, you, you 55s, it's over. But I would say, yeah, give me 51s that I could count yeah. out. 
the bank is supposed to fold. Is that for like blind? No, no, people? no, no. I'm, that... not, I'm not saying the bank folds. I'm saying when you get them from the bank, he can probably trust that the teller is giving him the correct mm-hmm. bills. So maybe, oh, okay. he, maybe if he's getting like a fifty, two twenties, whatever, he'll he might ask, okay, just tell me what which bill you're giving me. And teller's like, okay, here's your fifty, and then you know you would fold it a certain way in your wallet so you know what it is, and then you'd fold the twenties a different way, that kind of thing. Oh, for him, okay. For him, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought there was a whole line of like no, the bank no, no, folds no. your money for blind people. I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> no, I just imagine you know even more so than like at a store, like a convenience store or something. You could trust that you're getting the proper bills from the bank and everything. Yeah, I think I learned that from Daredevil, the Ben Affleck Daredevil. I think there's a scene where he's unfolding the them or folding them in the beginning. Yeah, because he's got like yeah. his little vault layout or whatever. So he knows where he's pulling them from. They do a really good job at the beginning of that movie showing like all the different ways that he has to live in a sighted world as a blind person. Like mm-hmm. the tags on his suits and everything. So he knows what is what, like all that stuff. God damn There's it, a... Chris, Chris just added that movie to the list. <laughs> oh, there you go. Fuck. There's a lot of really interesting stuff in the history of blind um peoples and cultures and you know um so when i was in grad school my uh internship in my first archiving class was at the perkins school for the blind in watertown mass and so you learn all this stuff and funnily enough they actually had in their archive some of the old issues of daredevil um because the president at the time was a um, a fan and had donated some of the like early issues not any of the really key ones like not like um what is it issue six when he switches from yellow to red suit and everything but like some of those like early ones but there's lots of crazy stuff like just how braille came to be like the 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 uh system that uh most blind people used is a crazy story you know it's usually you know <clears throat> when they were trying to develop um uh, a format for uh, blind people to read with. It was like basically raised font types, you know, and there'd be like moon type after Dr. Moon, there'd be Boston line type, which was partially developed at Perkins school for the blind, things like that. And some like, you know, institutions and people really tried to resist Braille, but it was really the actual blind people who were the students who were like, no, this is much more intuitive for us, you know, to be able to understand and it's quicker and faster and, and then there was other dot formats that tried to like take over, and so it was a it was an interesting story. Sorry, I'm going on a long ta- tangent here. I'm I, I apologize. This is the podcast we should have, yeah. really. Okay. I always yeah. think uh, JFK would read his speeches in Braille because he could look at the audience more. Oh, what are you JFK? Cron JFK. We're not. <laughs> Not gonna John do JFK. Fitzgerald Kennedy. <laughs> All yeah, right. He would uh do Braille so he could focus I can see the fucking Doctor Sleep life vapor evaporating from Nick. <laughs> That's the last twenty minutes he has just <coughs> No, I'm having a good time. This poor just, guy. I feel bad I can't add anything to these. Yeah. I don't know enough about the history of... He's like, I fucking hate the blind and I hate JFK. Like, I'm not going to talk about this shit. Come on. <laughs> I mean, Bay of Pigs was a huge fucking mistake, so... <laughs> I get it. I get it, Nick. He's like, don't get me started on Kennedy, guys. 
All right, as they're leaving, a cop catches them, and he's like, hey, guess what? We just found victim number five. Cut over to a giant walk-in freezer. There's a bunch of, like, carcasses and shit hanging around everywhere. Finally, they find a guy. He's missing the other leg. This visual effect here ruins the scene, man. The kind of, like, warping. The warping, yeah. Yeah, Oh, yeah, I hate that. That's That's a 90s music video staple. Yeah. Yeah. Like, a meat locker is already so visually striking. You don't need... I don't know. Yeah, that's a weird, that's a weird creative decision. They use that a lot in this movie. That mm-hmm. effect. Uh, John gets back over to the station. They overlook something. All the victims, all five of them, had five quarters in their pockets. He needs a sixth victim... Uh, well, he needs six total victims. Uh, so he can get two bags of Doritos from the vending machine. <laughs> hey, bringing it back to uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance, that's how they figure out that that's where they're they're going over the toll. Because he counts mm-hmm. the, the quarters and all of the Germans. Shouldn't these really be like silver dollars <clears throat> instead of uh of quarters if he really wanted to play on the 30 pieces of silver this killer has done so much already Brantley to, <laughs> and he to just have to got go... out of the mental institution they yeah. say it later he's been out for like That's three true. weeks How... yeah it takes a long yeah. time to get 30 yeah silver he, dollars. He, he probably You're went right. to, they, yeah. to two they... or three banks and got just he fed up because they were like we got one we got you know like <laughs> couldn't he have picked out like all 30. the quarters from before I don't know like 1950 when they had a higher silver content in them uh, good luck trading all the old fucking coin collectors for those valuable fucking coins. Ain't no way. He's he's not paying 20 to 1. Sounds like uh, he needed to give a call to old Penny Smasher over there. Mm-hmm. He could hook him up. All right. So after he gets the sixth victim, that'll be six people with five quarters, i.e. 30 pieces of silver. Another cop says, hey, this is odd. The FBI computer just spit something out. A few years ago, they found a 33-year-old guy in Tennessee who had his head cut off. Uh, His name was Philip, an apostle's name. John's like, did that shit just come through? I asked Wingate about this three weeks ago. John goes over to the FBI office. He's like, I want to see Wingate, and I want to see him now. He starts raising a commotion. An African-American guy walks out. He's like, what's the problem? He's like, I want to see Wingate. And this guy is like, I am Wingate, you dipshit. Whoa. What? What? Uh, The guys are now with real Wingate. They're dusting everything for prints in the police station. John calls fake Wingate and says, we got some new leads. Let's meet over at the diner where you will fucking love the pizza. (laughs) (laughs) And the coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Wingate agrees. Bunch of cops post up around the diner. Wingate gets out of a cab. Cops surround him. He gives a stupid little smirk. They arrest him. Over in the interrogation room, Wingate says, why am I here? John says, uh, the five people you've killed. But Wingate is like, do you have prints? Do you have any evidence at all? I've seen the files myself. I know you don't. Wingate's taunting him. He says, I'll be out of here in 48 hours. You and I both know it. Sure, you you guys are going to tail me. Uh, 
you and your partner, but he's like, oh, your partner's going to have problems keeping up because he's minus one leg. It's a good one. <laughs> so here's far be it for me to question the writing of this movie. Why would he eventually send in the file about basically himself who like cut off the guy, the guy named Phillips head. And why would he show up at the diner to be arrested? It, it like, it doesn't seem to make Well, I think someone sense. else sent the file. Mm-hmm. Cause the, the other, oh. the other guys requested it from like some other office, I guess. And that's why it took so long. Yeah. Oh, okay. cause they finally okay. got, I get, yeah. So, but the, gotcha, 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 gotcha. The showing that's up to right. the diner is, I, it's just because Christopher Lambert is so believable on the phone. <laughs> Yeah, he was so believable. There's no suspicion to be had. None. I think I w- it's to sh- show you like Wingate is that good. Like he knows he's going to get arrested and he's still going to, you know, like go through with it. Oh, I didn't, I didn't connect that at all. Yeah, I didn't get the sense that he knew he was going to be. I think he smirked when he was like, well, whatever, you don't have anything. Yeah. But I don't think that was his plan. It's not like John Doe's in Seven to get arrested. I love that smirk, though. It's like, uh, mm-hmm. it's like nice. I underestimated you. Nice job. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then yeah. he's like, yeah, he's cocky in the police station. I don't know. Good performances. Over at Wingate's bail hearing, uh, the cops say we want to deny bail. The attorney for Wingate is like, they don't even know this guy's real name. Which I feel like you would have to give your real name in the court of law, but I don't know. (laughs) Judge agrees. uh, She's like, the bail is going to be $20,000. Wingate's attorney is like, okay, we're ready to post bail now. But the cops are like, no, we have six more hours before we hit like 48 hours and we have to release them. Back at the police station, it's a race against time. Uh, They're trying to find anything on this guy to keep him in jail. They don't make it. Judge orders the release. Wingate walks out, catches a taxi, and the cops are on his tail. I thought for sure the cop was going to, like, itemize all the stuff. Because they they give him that box full of, like, his belongings. I was like, you could have got another 10 minutes by just saying, like, you do the opening scene from the Blues Brothers (laughs) where he lists off all the items. That gets you 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, fake Wingate arrives at the train station locker. He opens it up, grabs a bag. He goes into the bathroom and does some clever coughing to hide the sounds <laughs> of him loading a gun. <laughs> Nowhere near loud enough to cover the coughing of that gun. <laughs> he has to do like three of them too, because it's like one when he puts the clip in. It's pretty good. Yeah. This man has fucking cut apart bodies, but I think the most disgusting thing he does is have to crawl on the <laughs> Chicago bathroom floor to get from one stall to the other. Wingate does change outfits. He starts crawling around under the stalls. Cops finally have a match on Wingate's prints to the Tennessee murder. They go to arrest him. They kick in the stall, but it's just a pair of legs in suit pants. He fucking got him, dude. How did he get those pants to stay up? Great question. Starch. I think they're wrapped. I actually do. Th- 
attention to detail in this movie is just unbelievable. I think they put the pants around the top lid and then shut it. Yeah. That would work. Like, so, I mean, it's good thinking. It's pretty smart. It is. I'm going to try this at work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. John's made his way to the train station. He spots Wingate. Uh, sees him. Let's see. He sees him and he starts waving his gun around, but that just causes like a stampede and Wingate is able to escape. See a scene where Wingate gets victim six with his taser. Again, it takes like 13 hits. I think invest in a better stun gun would be the way to go. Sixth victim is found. Wingate left everything but the torso. Cops are looking at an ad for uh, a number killer's tour. John notices that the victim, like victim one's house, the upstairs window is open. He's like, we would have sealed up everything when we left there. It's the best place to hide somewhere we've already looked. How many batteries does it take to operate a stun gun? Because in the 90s, I would get one listen of a CD off of two double A's. <laughs> right? Like, I don't think you could even finish a Game Gear game. Yeah, what? On, uh, on what's powering like a stun gun? Because I feel like, I mean, you could take a 9 volt to the tongue. Right? I think you yeah. charge them up like a iPhone. What, you fucking wind them up? Okay. Oh, okay. So they've got a old school lithium battery that... Okay. Is this a subscription that I can get to where they show me like crime magazine for your murders it, that happened in my area. It's you know when you leave the supermarket and there's that fucking rack full of like the real estate magazines. Yeah, there's one right just to the right that is just like local murder tours. <laughs> and then if you're on vacation, they'll have like cave tours, zip lining, murder tour. The real estate of the murdered person that you could buy possibly for your vacation home. I think I follow. Yes. Yeah. Is there a uh, dare B and B like spooky places where you can see if you can last the night? There's, there's gotta the, be. That's like, good. I think well, there the, are like extreme haunted houses where they'll like fuck with you. Yeah. And there's the one in Eureka Springs. Let Brandy, Brantley finish. Brandy, I, I fucked up trying to school you. Yes, I got my, my. Please Did you call me Danny. No, Brantley, please continue. So, so the actual house that the Conjuring movie is based on, the, a woman was living there for like thirty plus years after that family was with no issues whatsoever, and then like was getting so harassed by fans. Um, after the movie came out, the she was just like fuck it and sold it to some paranormal investigator kind of person, and then they turned it into I think like an inn slash Airbnb thing. So they at least have turned like some real life houses like that into those types of yeah. places. I mean, the Breaking Bad house has a ten foot <laughs> fucking fence around it. It was the most depressing thing. Oh, that's I saw on that entire trip. But yeah. that person could make a killing. If you charge people 20 bucks to throw a pizza on your roof, <laughs> fucking line up, bitch. 
You get one shot. Yeah. <laughs> if the whole so pizza lands upright, you get your twenty bucks back. But other oh, than that, that's, I would do it, dude. I yeah, would try. It'd be fun as hell. So you're telling me that we can Airbnb the Conjuring House. I think so. They either turn it into a museum, but I think it's kind of like an inn that you can stay in. I so, think. It's, one of the, think? it's definitely a commercial property now. Yeah, yeah. We should Pod go. Slam. Pod Slam 2024. Pod Slam 2024, baby. Or maybe you can only rent it out for events or something, but you can you, you can definitely do something like that. But I think like the Amityville house is a private estate. Like They just sold it in the last like five years. So I'm pretty sure that still sells and like, I don't know. I don't know if they get harassed. Oh, sorry. Maybe the movie's too old at this point. I'm going to tell you right now. The the Conjuring House, you can rent it out for special events. You can do house tours, investigations, um, private events, or g- gamping. They call it gamping. G-H-A-M-P-I-N-G. Like you can camp on the grounds of the Conjuring House. Oh, like we, can't, we can't cool. stay in it? I don't think so. I don't think you can stay in the actual house. You can do tours and you can have a private event in it, but you'd have to like camp out in the yard. What a weird thing to be like, why don't you guys pay a lot of money to camp outside this haunted <laughs> habitation? Yeah, yeah. Well, do we have prices. Do you want ghost uh, hunters staying in your house, Nick? No, I mean, that's they're all they're fair. constantly looking for ectoplasmic goo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so the, it's called gamping for ghost and camping, obviously. Um, that's not Let's a see. very good. I don't know why you said obviously, like I would <laughs> figure that out. <laughs> okay, so it looks like there's different things you can camp in, like different big tents that they erected. Um, <laughs> and they range from 300 to 400 a night to go camping in someone else's yard. And then they have a trailer, like a little trailer that you can rent out for $400 a night. I bet we could gamp right outside the property for like 40 bucks a night. <laughs> <laughs> they have a section called the Pet Cemetery that you use 400 a night as well. Good lord. What? Yeah. They have like a lot of camping structures on the property that you can camp in. All right, guys. Everyone rushes back over to Victim <laughs> One's house. They race upstairs. Uh,. They finally see it. They see a cross with a bunch of limbs attached to it, and every cop just starts vomiting. <laughs> That's kind of cool. One of the actors has a really good vomit because he like lets out a little bit, like kind of coughs again, and then lets out more. Mm-hmm. I was kind of impressed by it. It it does a good job of building the suspense here. And then you see it, and then you're like, "This is." Fucking middle school is pathetic. Your dad did not help you on this one. This is like when Laundry Dan went to the art class in community college. Uh, Around the cross, John notices a bunch of photos that show uh, Christ, and it's like the little picture shows his heart prominently. John says he's going to be back. There's going to be one more victim we have to search every hospital for a child born after midnight, which would be on Easter, to any woman named Mary. Wingate needs one more piece, a heart. 
The guys find a lady that matches. They rush over to the hospital. All the nurses have been knocked out. They do see Wingate carrying a baby. The chase is on. Got some classic movie stuff here. John is always a few steps behind. Wingate uh, winds up on the roof. He starts shooting <laughs> his gun. He's out of bullets. When he fires back at them, and like the little like laugh that he gives, he's like, <laughs> like is so satisfying <laughs> to that guy. <laughs> like after he shoots the window, he's like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. What is that guy's like, name? Robert Joy. He's great. Yeah, he was clearly having a blast. Uh, John and Wingate are up on the roof. Wingate is all out of bullets now, but he is threatening to drop the baby off the roof. John is like, all right, I'm putting my gun down. Wingate says, hey, dude, you already lost one child. You don't want to make it two. John says, listen, a year from now, no one's even going to remember who you are. This thing is over. Uh, just That's be the done line, with it. That's but, the seven line where I'm like, all right, they didn't really want to make seven, but then he says that line, and I'm like, yeah, like, they knew what they were doing. They were ripping seven. <laughs> Wingate does say, people are going to remember me if I drop this baby off the roof. Wingate says it's time for one last sacrifice. He pulls out a knife and steps towards John. Uh, Wingate stabs him, like stabs at him, but John blocks it with his hand. At the same time, Wingate drops the baby, and John catches it. Uh, Wingate is pissed now. He says it's time for us to die. Starts walking towards John with the knife. John grabs his gun, shoots Wingate in the head. Wingate does like a Christ pose and falls off the roof. John. The when he falls, the camera starts like it's going to follow him over, and then it cuts. And I was so, like, I was so bummed because the framing on that actually looked really good. The push in, and then as it started to sort of roll over, and yeah. it cuts too quick. So I wonder if, if they couldn't achieve what they wanted to go for, but mm. it it's very satisfying. It is super intense, the stab and the catch of the baby. And then when he shoots him in the chest, he keeps walking after him, and then that it's a very satisfying head explosion yeah the head the headshot is <laughs> gory i mean you see like shit fly out of the back of his head wait the detective shoots the serial killer in the head at the end yeah that's totally not like any other <laughs> film that it's aping at all john's back below he's getting his hand wrapped up Sarah comes in. She gives him a big kiss. The baby's parents come in. They thank John. They give him like a rosary kind of thing. John goes to see Hollinsworth. Uh, he's on a fake leg in rehab. He's like, I'm coming back. You might have to pick up most of the legwork, though. Roll the credits. Resurrection from 1999, directed by Russell Mulcahy. Uh, guys, before we get into Rate My Letterboxd, Nick and Brantley, please tell the people where they can find you, what you've been doing, what documentaries you have out there. 
<laughs> Tell them all that. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, well, we co-host a podcast called Horror Drafts. You can find it on any podcast platform that you use. Just search for Horror Drafts and, and you'll find us. We are eventually putting out episodes. They're pretty sporadic right now because uh, we've both been very, very busy. So we're hoping to maybe be a little bit more consistent here coming up. But um, on top of that, um, I made a documentary called Everything to Entertain You, the story of Video Headquarters, which Nick has been phenomenal on as well. He created all the titles for it and has been super helpful in creating like special features for it and other stuff. And that is currently um, finishing up its festival tour, and uh, it will be available in some way, shapes, or forms in the future, uh, both as physical media, which I know Bonus hates, uh, and will it be available digital as well? <laughs> Nick, anything else you want to plug, man? <laughs> um, no, nothing I can think of. I think you covered it. <laughs> Okay, dude, you're not even you're not even gonna buy a physical copy of Brantley's. Yes, I, I will buy it, of course. Now I'll have to play it up here and try to figure out how to cast it down there. I don't. <laughs> well, that means a lot that you'll that you'll break your no physical media policy to uh for for my film bones. Hey, uh, people didn't believe me. I bought this bad boy. Nice. Still sitting there. Still wrapped up. Yeah, I think the shrink is still on. <laughs> I am very much looking forward to that series. Um, I got. I need to revisit all the sequels because it's been forever. All right, well, pick an ep- or pick one, and you can guess. All right, <laughs> Nick, come along too. I'd love to. I've never seen any of them. Oh shit! Really? Oh, no, not even the first one. Right. I've only seen the first one. So yeah, yeah. same. Yeah. First three are all pretty solid. I've not seen four or five, but first three are like, I mean, as far as sequels go, like they're entertaining, you know? So, yeah. They almost cast Brad Pitt for the second one, I think. Like he was like deep in the in the process, and then I, f- I forget what happened with it, but maybe not deep in the process. They at least had him read for it. I don't remember. I got to double check. Hell yeah. All right, I'm guys. Sorry. That was Resurrection. You've already locked in scores for me i guess for funsies we should you know get everybody else's score uh i don't know pick an order and do it we'll we'll do the same order dan rate my box brantley 2.5 nick 4.0 bones 3.0 3.0 Dan 2.5 Brantley 3.0 Nick 4.0 I think Brantley uh, we're up. Yeah. Me? Okay. I'd say Dan 3.0 Bones 3.0 Nick 4.0 Oh, my up. Nick. Yes, sir. Uh, let's see. Dan, I'll do 2.5. Brantley, 2.5. Bones, 3.5. All right, I'll guess here. I'm going to go Dan, 2.5. Bones, I think a 3. Brantley, 3. 
Nick, I'm going to say 3.5. All right, Dan. Gentlemen, I watched this in 1999 twice. Uh, This is a movie that I never thought would come to this podcast, but it's here. Um, Not bad, okay? Uh, Bones, I'll echo that. Uh, Good acting from our lead here throughout. Um... I like the gore throughout. I think it was way more than what you'd think you would get. I'm I'm a 3.0 on this. Uh, It's entertaining. It's a good concept, I think. A good serial killer movie. Uh, I think they... They take from seven... But I don't think they had to. You know what I mean? I think it would have been pretty good on its own if they would have just went their own direction. But you can tell definitely there's certain things that they do take from Seven. So they're they're kind of playing off. It's weird because, yeah, that was five uh, four years after the fact. But, yeah, I mean, if we could get a little more of the killer with his mask and like maybe doing his crimes and shit like that. I think it would be pretty fun, but uh, yeah, I'm entertained 3.0 for me. I had a lot of fun with this fucking thing. Um, Yeah. I'm going to say, yeah, it's a seven ripoff. Um, But I also feel like it adds so much fun to it that it builds upon it. I was trying to work out in my head, like uh, gangsta's paradise is an incredible song, but so is Amish paradise. And like, that's, you know, and I don't know if that's necessarily like the right comparison or if you were to like take scream and then scary movie, this would somehow fit in the middle of that. Like it's, it's sort of aware of what it's doing, but the really important, really thought out, necessary things are really good. I think the the motive, the murders, the clues are all really good. I think the twist is really good. That and I, instead of just ending with a a final shootout on the the final body, I think it's really cool that you kind of get to see what he's constructed while not complete and then add something new to that where he's going after the heart right of of this baby it could have just been another guy about to get something sawed off and it it'd been very bland um i had a ton of fun with this again too much from the seven aspect but you really lean into the weirdness acting's good i'm a 3.5 Mr. Brantley? Uh, yeah, so it, I agree with a lot that's been said already. You know, it, it it is a good story, good twists, great gore, lots of great performances. 
I think tonally it's very unbalanced at times. It's trying to ride this line of like a dark neo-noir thriller, but then at other times it is overwrought and saccharine. Uh, It's it's a little all over the place, and I kind of put that mostly at the feet of uh, Russell Mulcahy there, the director. Um, and, and some of that, you know, choices he'd make, we talked about with like the camera moves and stuff is a little too frenetic and, and unnecessary at times, but uh, I'd be damned if I said, I didn't also enjoy this movie, despite, um, some of its limitations and, and, and unnecessary flourishes. Um, I'm going to be a 3.0 on this. Nick, the floor is yours. Um, yeah, I mean, I've seen this movie a fair amount of times, uh, so I obviously enjoy it. I think it's just a lot of fun. I can't fault a movie. Well, I haven't seen Seven enough to really sit, but like, I can't fault a movie just for being like another movie. Um, you know, um, I don't. I think on its own merits, this is a really fun story. I, I, I agree with Bones that, you know, the the actual police procedural is fun. Like I don't think it's poorly constructed. I think the story is is like thought out and the clues are clever enough. Um and getting from one clue to another is like the thread that ties it all together is, is pretty tight. Um I think the performances are like overall pretty good. I think it's like a weird enigma where Christopher Lambert is not believable as a police officer. He's not believable as a father. He's not believable as he's he's just like he sh- he shouldn't work in this role, but somehow he does for all the reasons that he shouldn't. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's, it's violent. I think the effects are 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 good. Um, over across the board, actually, the makeup effects are quite good. Um. Yeah, I think the only fault I really find with it, it you know, apart from some of its like low budget cheesiness, is that um, it's a little uneven in terms of like, you know, I think it's nicely shot, but then there's these like weird flourishes that he does that we've talked about that just don't fit, don't belong. And then I think there's points of the movie where he shows restraint, um, not with the violence ever, but you know, in in other parts where he's cutting the movie i think it's somewhat restrained and then there's other parts where he's throwing children under the wheels of vehicles and it's just a little uneven you know but you know at the end they use an animatronic baby and he somehow shoots around it well enough where it's like almost believable and he's not you know i don't know it's weird it's just a weird movie like the more i watch it the more I come back to like this, none of this should work. And yet I'm always having a good time every time I see it. So I give it a 3.5. Nice. All right, guys. Um, so I think when I was thinking about this movie out of the Mulcahy films that I've seen, uh, Razorback Highlander and now resurrection, I don't think any of those are great movies, but definitely I would say none of those are boring movies. Like every single thing that this guy does that I've watched has been entertaining. Um, And 
I don't know. I do think like earlier we asked, could you do the room without Tommy Wiseau? And I would say no. And I don't think you could do this movie without Christopher Lambert. Like his performance, it is, I I will agree with Nick. It is completely unbelievable, um, but it is entirely entertaining. Um, Like his weird accent and his, you know, way of moving and speaking, it does not fit in the movie it is in and it completely works somehow. Um, I don't know. I had a great time watching this. Like I kind of enjoy you know, noir and neo-noir. Um, and even though this is a seven ripoff in a way, um, I do think there are like original ideas here, like bringing in this, you know, like resurrected man thing that, um, I don't know if it ever like a hundred percent pays off. Cause I don't know if he expected the guy to like come back to life on <laughs> Easter. If he got the heart, like, I don't know what the ultimate end goal was, but I don't know if it necessarily matters when you're watching the movie either. It's just, you know, this bad guy is building a human uh, and the Lambert is trying to stop him. It's like completely simple. It's easy to follow. Um, I mean, I kind of get what you guys are saying about like the very 90s weird zooms and camera movements, but I don't know. Just when I was watching this, it just felt like a late 90s movie to me. Um for like all of its warts, it's, uh, you know, it is a style of filmmaking that is somewhat nostalgic to me. Um, so I don't know this thing. I don't think it was bad. I had a fun time watching it. 3.5. Dan, real quick. Did you have, uh, any further research on this bad boy? No, not really. Uh, Nick, yeah, kind of landed on all that so nothing crazy uh not released uh theatrically as we discussed so yeah direct to to dvd and vhs apparently it played on cable in the u.s and i don't know how that <laughs> a lot of editing yeah <laughs> and i did read that there is or i actually saw in the interview um that there was an uncut version. Most of the stuff that was cut was um, when you actually see him trying to save the guy whose leg is missing. The one guy he they get to in time. Mm. Um, I guess there was a lot more of that. Uh, yeah, I think they got an NC-17. They got an NC-17. And the whole thing is weird because the irony is <laughs> it doesn't matter. They could have released an unrated cut direct to video. It never was released in theaters. So... Uh, <laughs> But all that footage is lost, apparently, um, which is unfortunate. But, yeah. Yeah, it being 99, if they'd waited, if if it had come out two or three years later, unrated on the DVD case would have been a selling point. To- absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Resurrection would have an average score from the five of us of 3.30. This thing would end up at number 45 on the big list. This would currently be right below Twice Dead and right above, hey, another Horror Drafts feature, Class of 1999. Oh, shit. Nice. If we, if, let's just take out the Rate My Letterbox for Kron specifically. 
it was a pretty pretty good game. Dan, you got two. Uh, myself, Cron, Brantley, 3.0s, and Nick, you got a 2.5. So oh, relatively relatively close. But for the ones that matter, I got a 1. Dan got a 0. 0.5. And Nick and Brantley, you both got a 0. 0.5. Cool. So... All right, well, horror drafts, guys. Brantley and Nick, thank you so much for giving us your time. Uh, everybody, make sure you check out horror drafts. It is a, as soon as Brantley posts that there's a new episode, I will stop whatever podcast I'm listening to <laughs> and switch over to horror drafts. Um, love the show. And make sure to also check out Everything to Entertain You, a great documentary. Um, super entertaining if you're at all nostalgic about video stores um, you will love this movie so check it out Bones thanks man thank you all so much this is a blast yeah. as always uh, it's, yeah, we, appreciate we love it. having you here you fit in beautifully oh I love doing this yeah anytime yeah. we just have to space it out so you guys just don't go fucking crazy <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, no after showers. We've already announced Spawn next week. DK from Nerds, Geeks, in the Kitchen Sink, and George from the Best Little Whorehouse in Philly. So we are definitely cashing in all of our uh, podcast buddies this month. Um, so come back next week. The spookiest of all of the picks, Spawn, based on the Todd McFarlane comic book. I believe it's still available on HBO. I think it was up in the air there for a second. Well, you know, they got to replace it with the news now because HBO's got news. Hmm. You need your CNN. Fuck all that. Go down. You got to you got to scroll up. The UI's kind of fucked up. You got to get up to the top. You got to go over to movies. You got to scroll down. It's not going to be featured it's not going to be highlighted. Maybe for the month. I don't know. But it's an S, so you got to go all the way down. All the way down. It'll be in action. It might also be in uh, sci-fi horror. But come back next week. Spawn. Can I can I airstream that to my downstairs TV from my upstairs TV? Well, so I find that the UI is much faster on the phone. So I queue it up on the phone. And I cast the TV. That way. That's my recommendation for, for using Max. It's also the my preferred method for YouTube. If you link with a TV code and you lock your YouTube to your phone, you can search so much faster. You can get to your history. You can look up bat pussy all you want. I don't know what the arrow casting situation is. I feel like a lot of these this are is why we this is why we had don't exist. Dan... Close the show because he had come up with a script and knew how to like get out. I just fucking meander and try to like let me three sixty this shit. I was just letting you go. Uh, okay, all right. I mean, I I like Bones's tech wreck uh, corner over here, <laughs> folks. As always, if you are on Apple or Spotify and you listen to this show, please rate, review, and follow. It helps us bring the show to more people. Uh, you can catch us on Letterboxd. You can catch us on Instagram. You can catch the horror drafts on Instagram. You can catch uh, Brantley and Nick. I believe they're both on Letterboxd, right? Yeah. 
so check them out. Um, but yeah, next week, Spawn. Uh, if you really want to fuck with us, there is a link to the Discord on every episode on Wednesdays that are dropped for five-day rentals. And uh, catch the five-day rentals podcast on a future horror drafts coming soon. Maybe. TB Crash and Burn. How about uh, Slash and Burn? How about uh, my cousin's girlfriend got hit by a bus? (laughs) (laughs) Slash and Burn. Slash and Burn. (laughs) 